Hello, friend. Welcome to the Watery Desho podcast. We are so happy to have the pleasure of your company. If this is your first time listening, sit back, relax. We hope you enjoy. If you are coming back because you enjoy our content and you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Desho. We've got all kinds of fun rewards and bonus content like early access, Discord roles, additional audio and video content, all in three budget-friendly tiers. If you're not able to support us financially, no biggie. We totally understand. If you'd like to help us out uh, for free, you can always give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our discoverability. You can follow us on SoundCloud, on Twitter, at WaterWeDeshow. You can always send us an email at WaterWeDeshow at gmail.com if you want to correspond with us. We may not get to read every correspondence on the show, but I can promise you that we do read and try to respond to every single one because we do love our community, which we hope you'll be a part of. Thank you for your kind attention, friend. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, and welcome to the end of all things, at least as far as Vinland Saga is concerned. This is Ragnarok, you know. Well, okay, it did happen before the turn of the year. We've been delayed a little bit, you know. The apocalypse got put back a couple of days. Uh, we apologize for that profusely. But of course, this is Warrior Death Show. Uh, I'm Shaden. Joining me across the pond close by is the Soul Doctor, Viking comrade in arms, though he is. Hello. Still not wearing a silly hat, though. Needs to sort that. No silly hat. Where's your hat. silly hat? Listen. Where's your silly hat, my man? We just watched episodes 23 and I just watched episodes 23 and 24. I I don't think I could pull off the silly hat. You know what I mean? Well, to, to be fair, like when we did Banana Fish uh, the previous year, end of 2018, <laughs> do you recall how I was wearing a silly Christmas hat for that? And I was like, well, don't I feel like a moron given how <laughs> depressing and terrible the ending was? So I'm glad I got my opportunity to have the silly Viking hat, which now rests over on my plinth behind me. Uh, out of the way when, you know, it was still, uh, you know, things might turn out okay for fourth. Oh, Oh no. Oh no. The It didn't end well for him at all. <laughs> what a surprise. Oh shit. I mean uh, but yes. I am don't get me wrong, right? I am uh jubilant like I well jubilant. I'm enthusiastic to talk about this episode because I think it was or these episodes rather were like an incredible achievement, actually. Mm-hmm. Like I love the shit out of them, but like for these characters Oh boy, it's it, it was it was a shot, man, a shot through the heart with mm-hmm. a giant fat dagger. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Like you know, we finally learned the one lesson that Vinland Saga was trying to teach us all along, which is that if you want to get anywhere in life, you got a cue cut. I mean, you bastard. Canute, <laughs> Canute, can like, you know, he, I, I mean, fuck spoilers, like, it's been out for a couple of weeks now. But Canute, you know, he had his meal ticket in hand and he was going to get served after the fourth in. But he decided, ah, rules for tools, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, get in there first. 
have my, you know, have my revenge. Mm-hmm. Or was it revenge? We'll discuss that later, of course. Uh, but yes, uh, we're going to cover episodes 23, uh, which is a miscalculation, episodes 24 of uh, Vinland Side. 24 being named End of the Prologue. And <laughs> what I'll a... tell you this. <laughs> what a I name. Know, <laughs> like that that's a name that I've that like pivots on a knife edge because either it's incredibly ballsy like it mm-hmm. is here, or it's the kind of thing that your like, you know, creative writing teacher would slap you around the wrist for. Like, end of the prologue and you've written fifty thousand words, or however many it is. Come on now, come on. But all joking aside, like, uh, we will indeed be covering the plot as we normally do, but we're gonna bridge it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got talking points of plenty to cover later. And then we'll, of course, sum up our feelings on the series overall, much as we've been wanting to do in the past when we've got to the end of uh, something we've covered on stream of thought. Uh, I would just like to thank everyone for their patience uh, in allowing us to get round to these episodes now. Yeah. Uh, ideally, we would have covered them like immediately after they aired, as we did with Banana Fish, funnily enough. But I think that that was just a product of bad timing and coincidence mm-hmm. uh, because of the fact that I think the show got delayed twice. Uh, one time due to, due to sports, you know, the arch enemy of all nerds everywhere like right. us. I forgot about that. Curse you, sports. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, I sports read everything. I love really. sport. We don't need to slag off sport too much. No, I do. You, you, you do you. You do you on the opposite, on the other side of the ocean where you're safe and comfortable. Honestly. Sport Honestly, is good. Right. I don't know how comfortable no. I am. Or safe. Spoilers. <laughs> well, well, we'll see about that. I mean, you know, this entire show is about mainly traveling to America in the end. So, you know, I'm coming for you, Doc. This is my Finland saga, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, so um, we're obviously going to do a little bit of housekeeping first, and that is firstly to cover the polls that we did from last time, which I'm sure none of you remember, I certainly don't, uh, but Doc does indeed have them handy here, and we'll be going through them presently. I do. All right, so here we go with the polls for Vinland Saga episode 22. Poll number one. Have you heard of the marshmallow? <laughs> I forgot about these. It had really has oh been a long God. time. Uh, and incidentally, I'm on poll duty again today, so perhaps more zaniness will will occur. Have you? Oh, of course it will. Have you heard of the Marshmallow Times anime? Uh, the fuck is that? Uh, winning in a landslide of eighty-seven percent. Um, it's winning right now for me because even though I'm sure you and I talked about it at the time, I still can't remember, and I don't know if that's necessarily the amount of alcohol I've consumed over the Christmas periods now that's done that. Or if it's just more the case that, you know, the, there are some things man is not meant to know. The Marshmallow Times being one of the key Oh, why not, why not both? Why not both? Every Marshmallow Time, man is not fit to know. 4.2% claim to have seen every episode. You are lying. You are <laughs> lying. I'm just saying it now. Poll number two. Does Askeladd actually want Thorfinn to kill him? to see if they are wolf this one was a, a little bit more of a, an actual race 52 percent say no poll three does olaf look like an aged up maximilian dude <laughs> i forgot about this um 75 percent responded with the three exclamation marks indicative of the <gasps> Reaction like holy shit, he does, <laughs> and twenty five percent say maybe. And uh, maybe we need to revisit this poll in twenty years or so. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> does he just look just like him now? Mm. <laughs> it will be an interesting look back. Poll four: 
does this episode have the best action scenes in the show? 66% say yup. So it's a two-third to one-third uh, split here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that they were topped by anything this episode action-wise? I don't, but I don't think that's the point of these episodes. No, I, I wouldn't even argue that Vinland Saga itself is necessarily an action show. Sure, sure. Any 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 action in this show is really to serve the either the plot or the points that the... Um, um, I almost said Masaki you asked them. I was like, I know he's good, but he's not so good that he's also done this show. I actually meant Mikoto Yukimura. Uh, the points that Mikoto Yukimura is trying to get across in his material. Uh, calling this an action show? No, I wouldn't say so. That's like saying that Robocop is an action film. Yes, but you're missing the point by quite a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, RoboCop is a is a comedy. We all know this. Oh, it is absolutely. It's hilarious watching the watching the uh, rich being competent dickheads. Mm-hmm. Poll five. When mm-hmm. when Askeladd dies, I was waiting for that sound to finish on your end. Uh, <laughs> when Askeladd dies, say he gets Thorfinn a card. What would it say? We have a tie, ladies and gentlemen. We have a tie and envies. Uh, there were four choices. I will read them from the the one that got the least amount of votes upwards. So I'm sorry. Got 3% of the vote, as it should. Fuck you. Got 19% of the vote. A Hallmark classic. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Walgreens bestseller. Uh, and coming in at 38.5% apiece are a gift card to Brains R Us. <laughs> it's just, just so stupid, it makes me laugh. Uh, and welcome to your new job with your misspell. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have time to rice it, he was dying, he dogged it in his own blood. <laughs> oh, I have so much to say about that, about that scene that final scene but uh, so those are the polls for episode 22 uh look out for uh, uh new polls at watery desho on twitter mm. all right then so now i've got a bit of a task out of myself here folks and i'm gonna try and sum up the plot of episodes 23 and 24 uh i would just ask for your patience on this just because i did watch episode 23 last night and 24 today again just to try and refresh my memory but you know what like this brain is in here like you know it's a sieve uh Alt. everything just gets filtered out oh it is not summary time just yet, my friend. Ah, damn it. No, you you want to... Anime is made by people, and you want to forget that, okay? Bullshit. You want to forget the... <laughs> bu- bullshit. Anime is made by people. God's sake, next thing you know, you'll be telling me that animators deserve fair and equitable pay and, you know, workers' rights. What is that rubbish and nonsense? I mean, like, I know, it's a, get out. It's a bit daft, out. but I've, I've found religion on it. What can I say? So... So, so, so. Creatives. We don't really have to spend too much time on this, quite honestly, because four of the five principles involved here we have covered before. The dynamic writing duo, strong until the end, Hiroshi Seko and Kenta Ihara. They remain co-occupants of the writer's chair and have been since episode five. So... For 19 straight episodes. The first four Hiroshi uh, san wrote himself. And then Kenta san, uh, Kenta kun came in uh, for, for the assist. Good on you. Um, and 
if you ever meet him in real life, I want you to refer to him. At Kensuke, I will. Yep, definitely. So, uh, episode directors, there were a pair for episode twenty-four. There was a single one for episode twenty-three. Uh, Yosuke Yamamoto, uh, we have talked about before because they have uh, directed previous episodes of the show. Episode 17, they were one of the three episode directors for 17, uh, as well as 13, 6, and 3. Um, Shuhei Yabuta was a co-director on episode 4, and Yabuta-san has directed before. Uh, episode 1, in fact. Um, what, so they they directed the beginning and the end. Pretty, pretty cool. Um and the other occupant of the director's chair, uh, Tadahito mm-hmm. Matsubayashi. Uh, and Matsubayashi-san has a really extensive resume. Um, he's been a key animator, an episode director, storyboarder, um, for all sorts of things. Been the head director for a couple of things. I don't know how, what your opinion is on Magical Girl site. Uh, or... Where was it? There's something. There's something else. Oh, the Tokyo Ghoul Pinto OAV. <laughs> Directed by the, this person. <laughs> but um, but look, they've been involved with, with some interesting... The pin, wait, the, did yep. the Pinto mm-hmm. here? To- <laughs> wasn't that like the Wasn't that like a make of a car or something? It was. You're correct. Wasn't that the car that also <laughs> exploded every time someone rammed into the back of it? I, rem- I remember this from... From uh, Top Secret, or a review of Top Secret I watched on Red Lair Media. So does that mean that that anime also similarly was liable to explode if you put it in the DVD player the wrong way? I don't know. Mm. I've I've never heard of any of these things. Like, I'm sorry, folks. Like, I'm still the uh, perpetual like anime troll living under the bridge who knows nothing and is not in contact with the wider world. Uh, I'm not very educated on these matters. Once you play the DVD on one and a half speed, you can't stop it or it will explode. Man. If you, I hear if you play like the DVD of like Elf and Lead on one and a half speed, you start hearing like you know verses from the Satanic Bible. That's also true. That's a fact. What I just said mm-hmm. was a made-up joke. What you said, a hundred percent true. You know, you know, we've we've got to get we've got to get some actual facts out in, in, I know. in this podcast. I mean, Snopes might come for us someday. I want to be ready for that. <laughs> so, uh, Matsubayashi, though, like again, been key animator for a lot of good stuff. Uh, Aria, another. Fuldama Alchemist Brotherhood, um, Gurren Lagann, episode 14, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, both seasons, um, several episodes in there. Uh, JoJo's Diamond is Unbreakable, he directed episode 15. Um, oh, Kanagi, Crazy Shrine Maidens, I did not like that show. I mean, and well, I didn't hate it, but it was like aggressively fun. Oh, shit. Shit, also Sonic oh, no. X. <laughs> Sonic X, which we So wait, about. the thing that we jokes about has come back around. <laughs> yep. Why does this keep happening? Oh! Like, we... Oh. Macross fucking Delta, my friend. Okay, okay, we we, we, we brought mm-hmm. it back up now. Like, Did you like I episode mean, seven? Because Masubayashi both was that the, storyboarded was that the with, and directed it. Was that the one where they ended up like blowing a cat-shaped hole through the wall with C4? <laughs> So I hope that's like the the cat episode, the uh, yeah, the, the cat possibly. fun. I mean, I, I I wish I was like you know grading all those on like an Excel spreadsheet and making a bar like a line chart of it of like good, bad, don't know, like because that was all over the map there. I am googling 
list of Macross Delta episodes. Episode 7, Behind Enemy Lines. While Kure and Delta Flight perform a covert mission to planet Voldor to learn more about the enemy's plans, on location, uh, they explore ancient ruins built by the protoculture where they discover the truth. It. it is this is the, the fucking meow meow nyan nyan episode and it is apologies yeah <laughs> Wait, and then to the side um <laughs> she's cocking the gun <laughs> it's just got one bullet for herself because she can't deal with this shit anymore oh mirage uh, our good sacred good mother old, good Bless good old delta uh so yeah that's quite the uh that's quite the eclectic collection of shows that have been co- uh crazy so spirited away you know well okay now it's getting even more <laughs> <laughs> it was a cleanup animation, you know. Admittedly, not a like you know, one who's driving the creative bus, but worked on Spirited Away. You know, that's, you got you your know, that's still something. You got your Spirited Away, and you also got your Servant X service, your Sonic X. You know, oh he's got to he's you know, dude got to eat. So there you go, prolific. Um, that's that's silly. Tadahito Matsubayashi, but uh, that's it. That is the Vinland episode. Writers and directors covered uh, in non-exhaustive detail <laughs> that we we've done every one of them. Fair enough, then. All right, then. So let's see this. Uh, let's see this uh, little saga, or at least this first chapter of the saga, shall we say? Um, so let's start with episode twenty-three, miscalculation. Again, I'm going to bridge this, and I would just appreciate everyone's patience if I miss details out because I'm just conscious of running over, like going too long on time and such. Anyway, <clears throat> I'm going to get to that fail. Don't worry. I, that was locked in my, you know, brain space here to talk about that. I remember which person it was as well. But anyway, episode 23 opens, and it's King Swain's house party. Everyone's gathering up to go get drunk and have a merry old time. Uh, this, of course, following the events of the previous episode, in which, you know, uh, Canute was assassinated or attempted to be assassinated quote unquote but it was all of course just a setup uh this is also including of course following uh just for context for later uh forfin having attempted for what must have been the i don't know the hundredth time to try and kill Askeladd in a duel and resultantly failed i mean i hope like forfin like kept like a running tally on a wall somewhere like that shit scratched the fuck by now um but anyway so yeah everyone's gathering up uh, and we have various soldiers and laws discussing this beforehand, uh, one of which is Makoto Yukimura, as mentioned by Fairwolf in chat, who's provided his, uh, you know, a little cameo here, uh, voicing one of the guys talking about the pair. Uh, I'll not belabor the point too much more than that, because I want to keep going through the awesome, stories, don't we? Uh, by the way, big shout-outs to Makoto Yukimura in general. Uh, he's probably one of my new favorite, like, creators in general, just because he seems like such a chill dude. And he also has the right idea about him. I would definitely go drinking with him. I would definitely, like, you know, go out to Japan, catch up with him, have a couple of drinks, and then, you know, steal all of his, like, you know, materials and hidden stuff just for fun of it, you know. Which is why this will never happen. So that's now, like, four points. That's, like, four four points I know Mm -hmm. of creators with Japanese anime that I respect. There's probably even more than that. Like, my bar tab is going to be ridiculous if I ever go to that country. Uh, Anyway... So yeah, they're all discussing the assassination attempts that obviously didn't happen. Uh, mentioning Astralad, for example, as well. There's all sorts of things going on. But then the entourage appears, which is uh, Canute, King Swain, for Kel, Floki, Astralad. Uh, small thing, but I want to know it here. The music goes dead. It is absolute stone silence as these five walk in. And all you hear is just the rhythmic footsteps. 
in like you know booming out across the stage and there's nothing else no one says a word the the tension you can feel it in this moment no one who's there of course i mean this is one of those examples of audience disconnect that i think is great actually because we know what's going on behind the scenes but none of them know that all this like complicated like maneuvering has been going on behind the scenes <clears throat> so we know that shit could potentially go down and spoilers it does but yeah, uh, so they're all walking in. Uh, Thorfinn, at this point, by the way, still wounded, still battered from his duel of Askeladd. He's wandering the town in the days, thinks he spots Askeladd, uh, mocking him, goes after him. It isn't him. I mean, this is his obsession, like, taken to the extreme here, where he's trying to see Askeladd everywhere, basically. This hurt my heart, uh, man. Like, this really hurt me. Like, this is like watching a person that has given up. It's pathetic and deeply sad. Pathetic is the word I'd use, but I mean, like, the when I say that, I don't mean that in a derogatory term. No. I mean that. I mean that with deepest sympathy for feel him. pathos in this pathetic. Yeah. Yes. Like if you if you if you were laughing at fourth in prize, this you're just gonna go like, ha, 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 ha. oh. I mean, he's basically just broken. You know, we called uh, yeah. on YouTube episode twenty two the breaking of a boy and. His brain has been broken at this point uh, until it's jolted uh, into recovery a little later on by the uh, defibrillator that is, you know, your and my favorite pipe smoker. Uh, yes, Mr. Edibles himself. <laughs> as well as a blue, blue sky. But we'll get to that. Indeed. So while this is happening, Thorfinn encounters a group of three men who he bumps into and they decide, you know what, like, we're going to be jerks and we're going to, you know, surround you, beat you, to sh up, you know, beat the crap out of you, because that's the kind of people we are, even though he just bumped into him. And even though he is as wounded as he is, Thorfinn still manages to kick the shit out of them. But this comes with consequence of him being arrested by the town guard. Uh, we'll come to what happens to that in a moment, but of course, in the meantime, back to King Swain's banging house pie. Um, so... <laughs> We of course had the set. We have had the setup now, you know, of everyone arriving and the tension of previous events. This is when Swain and Canute like start, you know, mixing up with each other a little bit. Um, in that Swain says, "I'm going to make you like, you know, King of Mercy and all that." Thank God, glad you're back with us, my son. Um, even though you know you can tell like from the shots that we see of it that Canute's like, "Do I have to hug this fucker? Yeah. Do I really have to do this?" Yeah, Jesus. They they know they know full well even though they're putting on a, an axe for everyone else, that the reality is very, very different. And it's like, um, some people know it's an act, but you still have to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so meanwhile, Askeladd is watching while Forkel treats the place like an all-you-can-eat buffet. I mean, we discussed this before, you know, no salad bar for that guy. Uh, and he's just quietly drinking to himself, just soaking it all in. And this is the point where Swain reveals, okay, we're going to go after Ireland. And he's like, yep, this is all going... This is all coming up, Askeladd. <laughs> this is, this like is all coming up... <laughs> it's all coming up, Askeladd. Yep. Drew, we just drew the ace of Askeladd, baby. And uh, yeah. the royal flush. Like, and his... Uh, I love the, like... I don't know if the show's ever done this before. It's it. They almost go full-on kaiji with the, like, mental <laughs> really... states, you know what I mean? Where he's like... It really does feel mind, like, like <laughs> And the outside, he's just like... Yeah. You know, yeah, he's just, he's just, he's, he's stone faced, but Askeladd is just there, like you know, just going around in circles, dancing a little jig. He's it's having so a great good. time. Well, for a brief, for, a, for yeah, for a character who's very genre savvy, though, he makes the horrific mistake of breaking with that just for a second because, oh, 
by the way, completely without any knowledge on uh, Swain's part, at least at this point, mm-hmm. Swain says, you know what? I got beef with Wales. He's like, it's the classic, like, a guy says something crazy and no one challenges him on it. So he, like, steps over the line, like, and while we're at it, fuck Wales, too. Yeah. Have you, have, you like, seen, oh, no. have you seen, have you seen the replies they've been sending me on Twitter? <laughs> My mentions am, are I a am, mess. They're a garbage I mean, fire. <laughs> yeah, I've complained to management and everything, and I can't get their accounts taken down, so fuck it, I'm just going to invade them. And Ascalad's oh, face is like the greatest face ever made in anime. <laughs> it's, just I wish like, I had screen it and put it on the stream, because it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's the, um, that's the, you know, the ass, sorry, the bottom falling out of the ass, so to speak. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's, that's, the mo- that's the moment where he just realizes, oh, shit. Um... But yeah, uh, Floki, by the way, notices this. He spots that Askeladd's face crumples up like a piece of paper. So <laughs> there's going to be something made of that, especially when Floki then will later talk to Swain in private and say, hey, you know what? I think there might be something going on with him and Wales. Which, you know, maybe he just went there and, you know, went to a really nice restaurant, Floki. You have to jump to conclusions <laughs> that he suddenly, you know, came to the place. I mean, come on, man. Uh, but anyway, now savvy, I need man. to mention... I need to mention that this next scene here uh, that takes place between Leaf and Thorfinn um, in the jail is, as I understand it, and please do feel free, people listening in the chat, to correct me on this, it is anime original material. Now, I hmm. believe that's the case from what our patrons have told me in the past. Uh, if I'm wrong, then let me know. But if I'm not, just... Yep, Feo's confirmed that. Thank you very much, Feo. Let's just put a pin in that for something I'll be talking about later. Uh, but anyway, what is the point of this scene? So Thorfinn has obviously been put in jail, you know, for causing, like, you know, a ruckus in town or some rubbish like that. Uh, Leaf goes to see him. Now, we, of course, had seen Leaf's previous attempt to try and bring Thorfinn around, and that hadn't worked. Um, so Leaf tries a different tack here, even though he does kind of mention, like, you know, Ilva, Helga, you know, all the place that they came from. Uh, Thorfinn, looking... Wow, I, I mean... I think like depression.jpg like would be anything mm-hmm. any file name I would put on a screenshot of Thorfinn in here because he just looks utterly like he just looks like he's in complete despair like deflated. There's a great like juxtaposition of when Leaf says, "I remember the grin on your face as a child," and it like yeah, cuts to Thorfinn I and know. he just like looks like a husk of a man. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's not he's not saying anything, but his face alone is screaming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, Leaf then lays out, hey, let's talk about Vinland again. This is him realizing that it's not perhaps the right way to go about, you know, bringing forth around by talking about the past. Let's talk about the future. Let's go, like, you know, let's go there. The, the Mark your... McGuire approach. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> is, this, is this reference lost on you? Uh, a, t- a touch. Okay, a okay touch. So, so I have to explain it <laughs> really quickly. It's fucking, this is, it just became a, a, a punchline in sports when fucking this baseball player who had done a bunch of steroids, like the government decided to do an investigation into illegal steroid use in baseball, and he was called to testify before Congress. And every time they asked him about steroids, he his response was, I'm not here to talk about the past. <laughs> so it's the biggest yeah. question dodger in the world. And that just became such a punchline. I'm not here to talk about the past. So I'm sorry, you just 
you triggered it. Um, but yeah, we must <laughs> let's move forward to Venland, the future. Well, well, funnily enough, though, uh, that's not going to be the last time I'll be referencing drugs in this one. So thank you for the sideways segue. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, back to Swain's house pie. Uh, Askeladd is like thinking to himself, like in no small terms, oh God, I'm fucked. My country's fucked. What do I do? How do I, how do I get out of this? Um, it shows his and brain, is, like, slowly yeah, lighting this, up. I'd, I, I like, I'd like to believe that given everything we've seen about Makoso Yukimura's, like, treaties on, re, you know, revenge being a waste of time, like, that this is, like, one of those classic drug adverts, like, this is your brain. This is your brain on revenge. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. An absolutely incredible moment. This is the Welsh um, brain. This is the Welsh brain. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, we, in turn, you know, get just another insert of Vinland from Leaf's perspective, like, trying to sell to him. Leaf also tells a tale at some point in this episode, I may have potentially skipped past in terms of uh, time, uh, about how he kept on going even when he was trapped on ice, which was something he had mentioned even in the very first episode, if I recall correctly. Um, Which, of course, is his his own, like, you know, way of saying, hey, I've been through hell too, and I kept pushing on for something better and something greater, and I got it in the end. Does it mean you can't too? That's him trying to, you know, offer that kind of like life lesson. And hey, I've I've, been, I've seen some shit well as well, kind of thing. So Forfin, you know, looks set to get up and join him. Uh, at this point, by the way, in the like, you know the house party, uh, Askelad reveals to Forkel like his history uh, with Wales because Forkel himself actually just, hey, how did you ever get through Wales? By the way, you know. <laughs> how did you pull that? Right. How did you pull a, que- a question many people have been asking since then or throughout all of history. How did you survive Wales? <laughs> I mean, I actually I actually went on a stag do there once where I camped out. Mm. Oh, you went there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I did. And uh, it was a good little camping trip, don't get me wrong. Really nice little Welsh village that we were in, in the, you know, up near Ben Nevis, not too far off from it. Uh, I got absolutely devoured by midges, like as in, you know, tiny little biting insects. I was mossled all the way up both of my arms horrific stuff i actually woke up one morning and found them just flying in and on droves like swarming at the top of my tent i have never scrambled out of such a confined space so quickly in my entire life no spray yeah did you did you guys have cream or spray or nets or anything doc doc like you know i i could have literally torched the entire place with napalm and it would have not stopped them (laughs) there were there were millions of them you're just reminding me of like I don't know if I've told this story on cast before, but um, where I went to undergrad in uh, in Alabama, lower Alabama, there are these things called love bugs. Are you familiar with the love bug? And not not the Volkswagen in the movie, but not Herbie. Or, 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 the, or, the, or the state of mind. Right. <laughs> hey, but like, I don't even know like, what the scientific name is, but we call them that because at a certain time of year, basically they're just ever present. They're like fucking everywhere all over and they're just these bugs just having sex just everywhere like all over shit flying around all over your car all over your porch and like so in undergrad we were living me and my best friend and some of our buddies were living in in a house together and we just walked out and they were covering the porch to such a degree and then my best friend like took off his shirt wrapped it around his face like a, a ninja would wear a mask Grabbed a can of aerosol, uh, aerosol spray and a Japanese bakudo that we had laying around, kicked the door open, sprayed our porch down with aerosol, and just proceeded to whack all the bugs with the bakudo <laughs> shirtless. And my roommate is a six foot seven, three hundred fifty pound man. 
<laughs> it's an incredible scene. While, while, while you were practicing the sword. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just like, saying. What the fuck? Uh, so, yeah, uh, Forkel, uh, showing first of many signs, at least in these two episodes, there certainly have been others, of how, hey, you might look dumb, but he ain't stupid. There's a distinction mm-hmm, between mm-hmm. the two. And we'll come back to that when we get to the next episode, which I'll be getting to shortly. Because, um, you know, King Swain, he's doling out prizes to everyone, you know, like certificates of contribution, you know, all that kind of thing. Everyone gets a medal. It's like going to a sports day, you know. Everyone comes away with a participation pr- trophy. Um, but Asgard's gained 50 pounds of silver, no less. So he's called up and presents himself. And, you know... He's expecting him to help with whales and all that. And this is the point where Asgard's like, well, it's do or die time, I guess. I'd better do something. And that's when the episode ends. So that's 23, miscalculation. Uh, we're going to go straight on to 24, and then we'll do our talking points for both of them, of course. So we pick up pretty much where we left off uh, in episode 24, end of the prologue. And this is where Asgard is saying, like, dude, whales, no. No. Uh, you you seen the TripAdvisor ratings for whales? No one goes there. I mean, Mordor, place gets rid of by in the future. Trust me, that's bad. This worse. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Don't don't go to Wales. Would you like to own real um, estate in Hill? Then conquer Wales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I feel bad, by the way, if we have any Welsh people. I know, in this the is audience, the anime's so, opinion, uh, not our opinion. <laughs> no, I, I think I think Wales is a lovely place. Your insects can fuck off, though. Uh, but that's a different matter. So he's, of course, trying to convince them that Wales is a poor country, uh, as in, like, poor in terms of, like, land quality and such, and also quite difficult to navigate. Um, And Swain's like, well, hold on. Hold on. These guys have been, like, you know, flipping me off for weeks. I am not standing for this. I I won't settle for them, you know, giving me sass. Um, Asgard's like, hey, no, you be generous, you'll show, you know, like, they'll they'll respect you. I'll go as your messenger. I'll broker peace. Between us and them, you know, I'm, I'm I'm from around there. I know the locals. You know, I'm on good name terms. I can network. Um, so Swain comes down from his throne and goes up to Asgard. And again, this is uh, punctuated by silence. Every, like, tension ratcheted up pretty high. This is some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And he actually smiles at Asgard and says, You know, I'm glad someone's got some balls around here to stick, you know, stand up and say... <laughs> Uh, again, might potentially be, you know, uh, how should we say, paraphrasing the exact dialogue here. But he says, hey, you know what? This is a good man because he's willing to offer his king advice and my army is full of brave and loyal soldiers like these. Thank you, Askeladd. Thank you. Come closer so I can whisper sweet somethings into your ear. Give me a hug, And buddy. then he gives, <laughs> yeah, and then he gives Askeladd the, uh, you know, the Bioware RPG ending choice, basically. Yeah, he knows. Which is, smart. do you want whales, whales or canoe? What a smart fucker. Like, yeah. <laughs> now, you'd think, based on everything that's happened, like, Asgard would go, well, whales. Obviously. You know? Canute's just some kid. This is my country. It's my identity. My birthright. Why, you know, why would I do that? You would, know, do that would different? not protect it long term, though, and I think he knows that. Well, this is true. Like Swain, like you know, you can, I get the impression that his word is honestly as uh, trustworthy as his face. You know, I mean, when you've got a face for radio like Swain, like you know, you don't <laughs> trust that fucker, honestly. Uh, but and if you think that's just my opinion, well, just wait what happens next because Swain, you know, I'm guessing you know the sudden moment where your genre savviness disappears is must be contagious because he makes a catastrophic error in that he says that the only product of whales is slaves. Yeah. 
By the by, because he knows. Uh, right? Yeah, he knows who he is. By by the by, uh, slaves and slavery. Uh, they are like common like visual motifs as well as something that's just talked about a lot in this episode. Uh, and there's a reason for that that I'll get to at the end. But uh, goddamn, Makoto yukimura has got some fucking stones on him. Let's put it that way. Uh, so he says that to Askeladd, which is possibly the stupidest thing he could have said, and may also possibly indeed have been history's first Yo Mama joke. So there we are. <laughs> I mean, that's true, though. You know? Fair. Um, so Askeladd, you know, this is the point where his berserk bone has been pushed, he snaps, and he restrict. he doesn't like, you know, lose it. Couldn't but he believe starts ver- Yeah, he starts verbally eviscerating Swain, saying that, you know, he looks like shit. And, <laughs> well, yeah. Like, I mean, I was and, I was going nuts in my own home while watching this. Like, I could not believe it. Everything I in know. the show, especially and, with Askeladd, has been so like deliberate, planned, like thinking three moves. And he was still thinking three moves ahead here, but like he's never fucking stuck his neck out like this before. It's incredible, indeed. man. Oh my. God, it was so good. It's true. Uh, but actually, put a pin in that, what you just said as well about thinking ahead uh, and also planning. So, apologies. Uh, so, yeah, he starts laying to Swain. Canute has the Marge Simpson moment of, you know, it's true, but he sh- shouldn't say it. Forkel looks like he's just sitting down watching Sunday football because he's those things <laughs> are about to kick off pretty hard. Yeah, he's like, oh, is he going to kill him? Crunch. Yeah. He's loving it. So while that, you know, powder keg is getting ready to explode, uh, Leaf is back at the dock and he's there with, um, <clears throat> he's there with Farfin talking about like, you know, what I'm going to do next. This is the boat that I was going to take you as a kid. And now we get the chance to do it. It's going to be great, isn't it? Um, but Farfin unfortunately spots uh, a seagull or a bird nearby that he reaches out to grab but flies away. And well, no prizes for guessing what that's meant to be a metaphor for. Because he then leaves and goes back to, you know, the meeting hall, uh, leaving Leaf behind. Poor guy. After like, after all those years trying to find Forth and he finds him, he just disappears. What a dick. Honestly. But, yeah, as that's happening, Askeladd, you know, he continues to lay into Swain. And this is the point where the guards intervene. But Swain, you know, he he really doesn't understand the dangers of violating personal space. Because he's close enough now that he can be struck down by Askeladd's sword. And so all the guards come in. Canute's like, you know, hey, Duck Forkel, like, chill. Let the guards handle it. Because, I mean, Forkel's there for, you know, the beer, booze, and bloodshed. So I'm guessing, you know, he wanted to get the third one in on that point. But, well, after all the warnings, you know, that everyone had ever given him about not losing his head, King Swain has made the ultimate mistake. And he gets, you know, decapitated by Askeladd in one stroke. I was freaking out. I couldn't believe it, man. It was incredible. Uh, I mean, that's some that's some uh, fucking Sam show shit right there. Samurai showdown. Yeah, it really was. Holy yeah. shit! Uh, by dude. the by, by the way, not a big talking point, but if you want to know how good, like, I get the impression, like, at least I, I haven't actually read like the earlier volumes of the manga, but that's a spoiler of something I'm going to talk about later. Uh, but I get the impression that Mikosu Yukimura, when he was doing this series, actually really like started to exercise his like visual chops a bit. Because there's an amazing moment where, as after Swain is decapitated, the crown flies off his head, and who should be looking through the center of the crown 
but Canute. Like, wow. Like, as as if, like, you know, it's hinting that this is where it's going to go next, which it turns out is true. Uh, Canute is indeed going to, you know, now inherit the crown from his father. Uh, and then smash cut to ad break, you know, so there's a there's a moment for you. Um, so... There's like a... For, by the way, there's like a, a Wu-Tang Clan song. Or maybe it's a Jizza Liquid Sword song about, like, the intro is all about... It's from this old kung fu movie where a kid is telling the story about, like, my my dad was killed by like the shogun. The shogun has his decapitator, and like everyone fears the decapitator. And I was just like, "Yo, it's the fucking decapitator right here, just throwing down." And like the look on his face as he's like, when it cuts back to him just like killing fools, is like kind of disturbing, low key. Mm. Uh, by the way, Asgard reveals his real name here. His name is Lucius Artorius Castus. Also known as Luke to his friends. <laughs> Artie! Or, or, or What's Casti. up? Yeah. Or Casti. Yeah. <laughs> Casti, Casti. Get your ass to the dice table. Buy a round of beer for everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Thorfinn's like, you know, running back to the meeting hall and he overhears the sounds of battle. He knows things are like going apeshit. Uh, and indeed they are because Askeladd is just cutting fools down. I mean... I know, like, none of the guards here have any names or anything like that, so you expect them just to basically be cannon fodder. But for someone who is acting completely crazed, he's just going through them like a hot knife through butter. They they, they offer nothing to stop him. Very efficient, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's claimed at this point that he's basically the, you know, the big swinging dick of England, so there you <laughs> the go. The king! <laughs> Indeed, the king, no less. Uh, so, everything's going completely nuts. Canute is watching with Forkel from the stage, and Things get so bad that Canute actually thinks about setting Forkel on Askeladd, which we've discussed this before, but I think, you know, Forkel would probably take Askeladd handily in a fight. But nonetheless, Forkel, again, showing that he's not just simply done muscle, there's a lot of nuance to him and a lot of understanding behind that one eye of his, uh, that, you know, he's your lapdog. I know that, you know, you've said that he's feigning madness to save Wales and you, but you're the one who's going to have to put him down. Yeah. Really smart by Thorkel too, honestly. Because... Indeed, all of that all that happens with Thorkel in this is uh, yeah. is very telling for a man who spends much of his physical activity in this episode eating. <laughs> yes, and drinking and laughing throughout. And uh, But yeah, he knows like if Canute puts him down, then there will be no like conspiracy there for people to believe. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And so, at this point, uh, Floki himself interferes to try and take Askeladd on. And just cast your mind back to episode two, when we first met these two characters, and how we got to see how Askeladd had Floki's number so thoroughly. And now the the actual mask is off and all pretenses are stripped away, that's still the case. Askeladd actually has him at his mercy, pushing him down to the ground. He just gets Um, to say whatever he wants. Fucking bow to me. (laughs) Yeah. He really is a paper tiger, Floki. He's absolute shit. <laughs> he does get bossed. <laughs> he does. So, at this point, uh, Thorfinn decides to treat all of the various men, like, you know, at the front end of the uh, hall, like Goombas in Mario, and tries to get his way over to Askeladd to intervene. But, unfortunately, Askeladd, you know, he has a bit of a stomachache uh, on account of being stabbed by Canute. Canute steps up, stabs him cleanly in the chest, basically. 
Uh, I want to just note, by the way, again, as a small thing, Canute's body language here is amazing. Because mm-hmm. Canute is pantsing, like, from... Because you can imagine he's probably never killed anyone before. I mean, this is the this is the kid that we saw earlier in the show's run, like, reminiscing about, like, the joy of just simply doing cooking. He's still that kid, you know? in some ways. He is still that kid, in some respects, yeah. Uh, but he kills Asgard there. Well, not straight away, of course. He certainly murders him. Right, well, wounds him fatally. Uh, and what follows is Thorfinn gets over and starts like, you know, going, no, not like this. This isn't how we planned it. There's a script. You little, you bastard. And, well, that's not how it goes, of course. Uh, Canute, by the way, um, he is shaking from this. And this is when Thorkell steps in mm-hmm. again and says, no, you need to stand. This is your moment. You have to put on an appearance. Giving a shit about, like, the country and the politics, suddenly, you know what I mean? I guess he... I guess he really is, like, you're my dude, Canute. You know what I mean? Because you would think, like, it would behoove him to see this whole empire fall into chaos. Because then he just gets to kill people all the time, you know? Uh, Yeah. But no, he's like, you know, my man. Like, you got to look good. This is, you got to step out onto the stage. You got to, you know, shoulders straight, head up. Like, can't be, can't be faint. Like, what a, it, it it's huge. This was a huge moment. You got to stand proud. I think in some way, possibly that might be because Falkel respects him for actually having the nerve to go through with it to begin with. Sure. Um, I see that. And so, and so, you know, call this the aftercare, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, um, Thorfinn, you know, like he's chatting with Asgard saying this isn't how it was meant to be. This is, And, well, what a line for Thorfinn's life entirely, to be quite honest. I think, again, like we said before about the whole line of it'll never be enough, mm-hmm. that in turn is a line that I think he recognizes of his own life. Just a tiny little bit in his deepest unconscious. Um, but Asgard, in the end, you know, he offers his life to him, says, hey, you can kill me here and now, but... Well, as we say, Thorfinn, you know, wanted to do it under the pretenses of an honourable duel for the sake of his father. Sort of. Uh, But Asgard says, hey, how are you going to live your life now? What are you going to do next? Does Thorfinn have an answer for that? Of course he doesn't. Of course not. Because there has been, there is no life for him beyond that moment. There isn't a single moment that he's far bit with the possible exception of his thoughts about Vinland, but that, to me, in my mind, would uh, read more as a dream, mm. you know, than any sort of, like, thing he could tangibly have. But, well, in a scene that mirrors somewhat the death of Thor's, believe it or not, because of the white space around it... I mean, it, I have so much to say about this that I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, he says, hey, you know what? Go on, son of Thor's. Uh... A very telling line from Askeladd as well, actually, which, again, we'll discuss in a bit, but oh boy. Uh, but then, unfortunately, uh, Lucius Castus Artorus, Mr. Askeladd himself, you know, uh, big swinging Viking daddy and rapper extraordinaire, <laughs> um, he passes away. That's it. <sighs> to the and, big dinner hall in the sky. Well, no. Uh, the last scene of As- in Askeladd's eyes is of the sea. Mm. And do you recall what was discussed about the legend of Artorius? And how he, when wounded, he would go across the sea to the islands to recover to then come back later. Oh, fuck, you're right. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. But bear in mind, Yo. But, but on top of that, that is on rad. top of that, that, 
that doubles that does double duty as well because that's following his line about uh, Forfin mm-hmm. following his own life. Yep. And of course, what is also across the scene, Forfin's own like you know personal myth. Finland. Finland. So yeah, uh, Canute manages to pry the sword off his hands again. Loving the body language here, he's so shaken by it he can't actually physically drop the sword. He has to pull his fingers off it like this, and then, and then you know. He says to Thorfinn, look, I know you won't forgive me for this, but it had to be done. Go live your life. Go be free. I won't judge you. I won't condemn you, all that sort of stuff. And Thorfinn just, Thorfinn has Bang. a look that just, it's it's a look of someone who, oh my God, like. Please hold me. I, I, like, I, can't even, I can't even like describe it. I'm looking at it as I'm watching this. And. It's a look completely devoid of anger, completely devoid of hate. It's nothing like, for example, the look we first saw when he was scowling at Asgard when he was much younger in episode five. But it's just chilling. It is chilling, it's like, is right. It's like looking into the abyss. And Forkel, however, you know, again, being savvier than people give him credit for, recognizes what's about to happen and intervenes as almost like a reflex. Uh, Thorfinn lunges at Canute and manages to slice him on the cheek, uh, but he is then restrained by Thorkel. Uh, Canute, however, says, no, you're not to touch him. Why is it just... <sighs> my body, I, what am I, like, I, how do I say what the feelings are? How do I get these feelings out, Sean? Like, that the only way he knows how to react is to take a swing at him. It's all he's ever known. Oh, it's so well, you gutting, know, man. Well, you know, you know, I said about genre savviness being contagious. You know, vengeance in turn, like, you know, can switch targets quite easily if you want it to under the right circumstances. It's like chain mail. No one wants it, but everyone just passes it around. <laughs> I highly doubt that will happen, but point taken. Man. Uh, so... He's restrained. Canute takes up his father's crown and starts like making orders, like starts taking charge. Mm-hmm. And we with end the blood, with the blood, with the blood in the crown. Like yes, <laughs> like yes, so fucking mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. It came at a price in the end, of, you know. And it's and well, I can spoil this little bit from the manga. That's that wound scars Canute. And oh, the well, the kitchen. You. you yeah, and you know how much of a sucker I am. I've said this before about the idea of scars serving as physical reminders for previous traumas. You love scars. I mean, f- physical wound though it is, you know, it's still a, you know, also shows about his psyche and what he's been through as well. I mean, this is why Forfin is so bloodied in these episodes, because it's not really so much about how physically hurt he is, but how emotionally and mentally damaged he is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Forfin is dragged away by guards, not even for Kel, his Paternal grand uncle, sorry, his, his familial grand uncle gives a shit, you know. And I've got to give credit to Thorfinn's voice actor. He lets out a guttural yell here that, oh, like that's the kind of thing that if I wasn't playing on my headphones, every dog in my neighborhood would start bear would start barking. I mean, look, it's insane. Like, can you imagine voice directing that? I've watched hundreds of anime, literal hundreds. Not as many as apparently Mirror, by the way, in here. 
<laughs> throwing her cloud around saying, I've watched 6,000 anime and I've never heard of the Marshmallow Times. <laughs> but look, I've not seen, I don't even know if I've seen 1,000 anime, but I've seen a lot so of- she's got bad taste in you, to be fair. She does have Sorry. great taste. Um, <laughs> I to well, neither one of look. I haven't <laughs> seen the Marshmallow Times either. Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, no, I've seen a lot of really great voice acting performances. Um, this is up there with the best I've ever seen. Like this- in in this very specific thing that you need, like this kind of emotional scream, sound, guttural noise, hopeless person, like at the end of their rope, just letting their despair sing out. Like, I don't know if I've ever heard it done better. It's incredible. I, I really hope they gave him like something to drink afterwards. I mean, there's that, there's some that, um, that throat must have been mm-hmm. raw as hell after that. Yeah, I mean, there's of course the, there's like the whole sort of cottage industry of like power screaming and shonen battle stuff, and that takes its own kind of talent, of course. Um, I mean, that lady who plays Goku still crushing it at at her uh, age is is pretty phenomenal, but. I, this I is mean, something very you about, different. <laughs> you know what I mean? You 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 say about cottage industry there, Doc. But I mean, think of it this way: right? I said before that you know uh, Swain makes the first yo mama joke in recorded history. Well, we get the first reaction video in history with Thorfinn. Thorfinn reacts to the objects of his vengeance being murdered by someone else. Click here to subscribe. <laughs> Please stop this. But yeah, <laughs> it's pretty horrifying that noise. It's pretty bad. And we then get. What is arguably the end of the episode, uh, at least, or rather, the end of this story arc, as Thorfinn's dagger, Thor's dagger, no less, because of the runes we see carved on it, is forced from his hand. And as it falls, we see reflections of all the various events, including prior to Thor's death, of course, like when he was much younger, play out in the reflection, which I've seen someone note on Swiss, who I apologize, I can't remember who it was. So, so this is not my observation. This is me just mentioning someone else's. I'll confess that much. Uh, it's a it's a you know parallel to the very first time that Thorfinn held that dagger mm. when he was looking at its reflect his reflection in it in its gleam when he took out Thor's chest. So yeah, um, did you think of green all... green bird again when <laughs> when the dagger was slowly falling through the sky? It, to me, admittedly, uh... it wasn't a person falling from a building, so it's a different thing. Sadly, no. <laughs> Sadly, not no. Um, but then we get a couple of um, scenes, short clips, of events that are actually from the future, believe it <laughs> Say hello to people that mean nothing to you if you're an anime-only viewer. Well, one, one, one of them means something <laughs> yeah, to me. because I, I uh-huh. Because I'll talk about that in a bit. But these are characters that are from future events in the show. Um, so that's more, I suppose, a little bit of like fan service for you know people who've read the manga in full. Um whether or not that means we will get a second season of Vinland Saga or not, I really can't say. Part of me thinks that that won't happen simply because it's been trapped on Amazon Prime, and Amazon, you know, have not <sighs> necessarily been the most, how should we say, exposed market for anime, not least of which because their UI sucks my taint. <laughs> well, it really it's, does. It's shit. It's gotten slightly better over here with a couple of updates. I can actually click a button to view anime now. Now, granted, the second result when I click that button is Avatar The Last Airbender. So, there you go. But, it's better than nothing. It's better than trying to sift through family movies or science fiction. You know what I mean? Or just having no no way to, like, browse through anime. 
So well, it's like I said about banana fish. Though, like if you're a kid looking for bananas in pajamas, uh, you know, you might end up clicking on banana fish by accident, and then oh dear, oh dear, that enjoy your childhood trauma. It's great. But yeah, uh, that concludes Vinland Saga, the prologue, as it happens, because that's the episode's name. Uh, and indeed, it does not end there, of course. I mean, it would be disappointing if it did. Uh, but I know full well, because you might be able to see it in the corner over there, I have volumes five and six of Vinland Saga. Just seeing there. I've read five. Six is something I'll be getting onto soon enough. But there's plenty more to come after it. Uh... Is now the time I tell you, by the way, about what happens to Thorfinn in the immediate aftermath of this. Do you want me to tell you? Because this is technically spoilers for outside the anime. But uh, people, our patrons noted, for example, that what technically should be the end of this arc uh, doesn't actually happen in the anime. It gets cut off a little earlier for like a couple of chapters beforehand, before then picking up at the start of volume five. Like if you get volume four, like Swain's death and Asgard's death in turn, like aren't the end of that book. There's a little bit more after that. Mm. Do you want to know, Doc? Are you ready to have I some mean, psychic agony? I mean, I want to... Are you in a right headspace now well, to receive some bad news? <laughs> I don't know how to answer this question. Uh, because I, I want to know, but I also am thinking for for people that watch this, like, because it's not just patrons, you know, this is a public thing. Maybe we want to keep the manga out of it? Um, or may, maybe well, we could just well, offer warnings here and be like... This is the spoiler well, section. Well, actually, no, I'm going to go one better because you and I are doing this by Discord. So I mentioned reaction videos. Uh, oh, let's gonna... enjoy this moment where, I'm gonna where I'm, gonna, I'm going to type out to Doc what happens next. Uh, and, well, I want you all to just drink in this moment. So without further ado. Okay. All right. It's sending. It's coming through space. No, no, I, I'm not saying oh, it right. Okay. So. Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Emmys, thank you very much for joining us on Worried Esho to cover the final two episodes of Midland Saga. Unfortunately, there are no more talking points as Doc has just left to go to his local bar and drink all of the alcohol there in a single go. (laughs) What are you saying? That can't be. Oh, I'm afraid... I'm afraid it is. That is exactly what happens. That can't be how it goes. No, that I shit you not. I'm not. Like, I hate this. I officially hate this. Um, what is Leaf doing? Is he just like, oh, I can't find him. I'm not going to look for him. I'll smoke and then go away. Look, I mean, come on. Facebook doesn't exist then. It's not like, you know, he could check where Forth is checked in at. <laughs> That is literally what happens. Now, I grant you, what I have just typed to Doc is the incredibly abridged five-word version of what happens and doesn't go into specifics. So take it for that as opposed to the more fleshed-out version of events that follow. Uh, But yes, that is what happens. And therefore, what happens after that in Volume 5 is Thorfinn's life as a result of this moment. So... 
Yeah. Fuck the world, I mean, man. That's what do you I remember how, do, you, do you remember how bad we felt about the end of Banana Fish? It's... Yes, I do. Will we, will we ever do a, a two-core <laughs> anime as part of Streamer 4 in the run-up to Christmas every year that doesn't end on such a downer? Thanks, Christmas. You jackass. Christmas call more like... <laughs> Fucking... What the fuck? And I mean... I guess Franks didn't run up to Christmas, but that was like a two-core thing we did, and we were just happy. No, that, that... Yeah, that ran up to summer, so I'm, you know... Oh, boy. Well... Well, I mean, I'm gonna have to get the, the comics now and figure this shit out. I need to tell my library to to get it. Um... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> are they... Are the volumes, like, really big? Uh, well, I'll show you actually. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm not going to show anyone like the spoilers from the back, but uh, I'll also confirm. By the way, this is not rich mahogany, nor is this in Corinthian leather, as much as I would like it to be. So, just a moment, folks. I, I, I'm stunned by that that this would be allowed to happen. Can you show the no? What happened? No, no, don't put it back. No, he put it back. So there you are. It's a big book. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to see the thickness of it. Like, I saw the cover, but but that's all right. Uh, well, to, to give you a comparison, since it's next to it, is two Watchmen's. Okay, so yeah, okay. Well, I was um, I was just wondering if they're omnibus editions that you have, or like the standard Tonka Bonds, or if there are even omnibus. I mean, I can do this research on my own, but mm-hmm. I want to waste your time, with it, or the, the patron's time. Um. 400 pages well, is go. good. That's like uh, probably, yeah, d- double or like, you know, 175% of what most manga volume Tonkabons are that are like between like 200, 250 pages, I think, for the normal one. So that's good. Mm. <gasps> All right. Have you, have, have you recovered from that psychic damage I've just done? I mean, I guess. To do talking points? I guess so. Uh, I can try. Right. I have to try. We can't not do with talking points. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, uh. Uh, okay. So I guess uh, I will try to start. I'll try to. <sighs> okay. Try to get back to the space I was in when I didn't know that information. And only twenty three, twenty four. <laughs> Um, well, just in general, I just want to say again, I think that these episodes are a triumph for the show. I think front to back, they look incredible. Uh, I think mm. the there's just this extra coat of polish. Um, and maybe I was, it was me viewing it on a different monitor. I don't know. But to me, it looked way better than, um, the normal run of the mill Vinland episode. Not every single Vinland episode, because the last one looked pretty good too. But, um, but yeah, they looked really good. And again, they were like, I think playing to the strengths of the show, which is like, it was all about the characters and the political intrigue. Like Mm. it was so tense. Like some of those moments. Like you said, when the music fades out and the, they walk into the room. I know, you just hear footsteps, doop, 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 like that. And then the king says, like, we're going after whales. And you're just like, don't. While he's holding his hand out, no mm-hmm. less. 
He's like, Asclad, Asclad, don't fuck up. That's what I'm thinking. Like, don't, don't fuck up. Fucking just wait. Don't do some dumb shit. And then he like puts himself out there and you're just like, oh my God, what is going to happen? And then, you know, that whole thing where like he contradicts the king and everyone is holding their breath like, this motherfucker going to die. And then the king's like, oh, my boy, you have some real, you know, um, you got a real set on you. So this is what a loyal subject is. And then, dude, just unloads a fucking verbal revolver right in his face. But the, like, you mm-hmm. look like shit. You're not a king. You uh, are a, uh, you're not the rifle king. You're like a, a fucking barbarian. And you're gross. And you're just like, oh, no, what is going to happen? He's really fine. And then he beheads him. It's incredible, and you're just like again. He took he, he took he took he took he took uh, Swain's head off in the same way that you take the cap off a bottle of beer. Mm-hmm. It was as casual and clean as that. But like, Ping. but this everything is built up to this confrontation. So mm-hmm. much is is like behind it, just backstories, you know, uh, character development, like the plot, like kind of. Askeladd laying these very intricate plans and Canute coming around and and then just the fact that immediately without missing a beat, Canute, smart, smart motherfucker, does not like give anyone the chance to think that they are in cahoots and just says, get that man. He murdered the king. Yep. Like, he does so not, smart. He does not show weakness. So smart. And he, yeah. not only does he not show weakness, the fact that like he that that one part where he talks to Thorkell and says, let Askeladd run wild, like he's earned this because he's doing all this for me, that he realizes that this is this this big elaborate scheme to kill the king, save Canute, and save Wales by sacrificing himself and also completely making it so that Canute looks totally innocent like the fact that Canute has picked up on all this so savvy and mm. and it's all just an Askeladd looking like a demon as he's killing people and Thorfinn broken but coming back to the scene and getting broken again like it's it's all characters paying off all this long build up the revenge yep. story the Canute trying to be the king Askeladd trying to manipulate everything everything came together in these two episodes and it was amazing. Incredible payoffs. Yeah. It is the fireworks display that this show was promising, and it certainly delivered on it. Like, what a what a finale to this arc. Um, and it means nothing. It mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to say, it doesn't mean nearly as much without everything that came before. The slow build worked. It was not mm. always the most entertaining thing in the world at times in the middle. And could you have maybe trimmed it up and done it in 17 episodes instead of 22? Probably. But I think on the whole, it was just a rousing, raging success. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. All right. So let me get on to my first occupant. But for this one, I'm actually going to take us back to episode 23. And I'm going to talk about the anime original content, which involved a jail scene uh, with Thorfinn and Leaf. So here's the thing, right? It's very easy, I think, for us to praise a show that is adapted from a manga and then perhaps short-sell the creators of um, the anime itself. Because 
they're just adapting existing well-regarded material. I mean, this is Azekin, for example. Like, you know, we could, in theory, just simply, you know, say, hey, great show, well done, Masaki Yuasa. No worried about the writers, because who gives a shit about what they've done? You know, they're adapting the existing material. They're just bringing it into a new theatre, so to speak. But I've really got to give key props here uh, to the creators of this particular scene, the people who came, who spun it out of thin air. Because I love this scene in so many ways, both in terms of what it means and how it looks. That's good. So let's start from actually just talking about how it looks. First off, there's a moment when Leaf is talking to Thorfinn, and Thorfinn is on this side of the of the frame uh-huh. in the cage, and Leaf is on the other, and the iron like barriers between them, you know, is completely like solid black down the middle. It is a literal dividing line that serves as blocking to show the division between the two. The, the threshold, if you will, that Leaf is trying to cross to reach Thorfinn and convince him to give the whole thing up and come with him. So you've got that to begin with. And then you've got the lighting. Now, admittedly, I can see people complain this is a bit too on the nose and a bit too obvious, but note how things are lit. Thorfinn is in the dingy corner of this little jail cell here, while Leaf is framed, you know, in the actual alley in the middle, like the corridor in the middle, going up to the stairs at least the outside where the sun is gleaming in. You know, it frames the behind of him, and that is, you know, the exit from this place that Thorfinn is in, physically, to something beautiful that awaits him if only he would follow. In turn, we are with Leaf leading the way. And then you've got the visual metaphor in of itself, which is the cage. Like, I discussed this with you when you and I actually talked about Persona 4 of all things, which was when we discussed Yukiko's shadow and how in the... Um, Animation in the anime, they actually made the cage that she was in a part of the shadow itself, mm-hmm. which I took to infer as being a cage of her own creation as a result. Right. And this applies here as well, not in the same context necessarily, of course, but more everything that's happened to Thorfinn has led him to this point. You might say, well, duh. But I'm talking not just in the sense of him physically being, you know, in jail, being, you know, in prison, but think of it like as a metaphor for his life, this cage that he's put himself in. This prison, like, you know, of wanting vengeance against Askeladd. It feels almost kind of inevitable that he would end up in such a place with everything that's happened. See him also being very bloody and all that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we also see how he looks in this, like, you know, deflated, de- defeated even, broken, battered, bruised and bloody. Every part of this scene, I think, through anime original content, and I don't know whether or not Makosu Kimura is involved in this or not, but it doesn't matter to me. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a wonderful addition that really hits all the right notes in every respect. They clearly thought about how to convey meaning through blocking, through lighting, through, you know, the metaphor of the the prison itself. It's rich in detail in so many respects. I was deeply, deeply impressed by that moment. And it fits naturally in the rest of the material. I'm going to just hot take here, I guess, and say I think that... Are you gonna say I'm full of shit? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm gonna like. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm gonna kidding, do I'm the kidding. King Swain thing, and I'm gonna take a step further and say that I think, like, the manga is worse off for not having this scene. Ooh. I don't think I'm not. I'm not saying by any means the manga is bad, but I think, as you say, this benefited so much and fit in so much and helped. It helped me, uh, really come to grips with where he was directly and i think i needed it um Mm -hmm. i I needed to be i mean of course we get the scene at the end but like 
this just worked for me so well on all the levels that you mentioned that I think not having it uh, is like worse. And like yeah, like Gogo just said, you would you definitely would not know it was original. No, I had I, no I, idea. I, I, um, it blended seamlessly. And the fact that you humor is so on board with it, I think, is just there. You go. It speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean, I've said before, like about how for me, adaptation is like a practice is something that I feel creatives should have a lot of leeway on as long as they keep to the spirit of the original work. Now, I'll grant you, of course, we're not going to see them like you know do things like say take Forkel up cussing the horse out or any of the other moments like that. Mm -hmm. But I think that where you have the latitude in order to actually enhance the story by adding more to it that is in line with its original spirit and its ideas, I don't see why you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Like, to me, that sounds... that To me, that's brave. And secondly, it also can really help make a work better. Like, original materials like, you know, books and such or manga that we adapt from into anime or live-action, they're not religious text they're not scripture they're not bibles if you need to change them if you need or rather if you want to change them in your mind to help make the work better as long as you you know think long and hard about it do it don't be afraid to do so in my opinion if you're an adapter mm -hmm. like and they did it here and i think it pays real dividends the only i'll have, to, I have two final things to say first of which is also I actually think this scene is intended to also parallel the very beginning scene of the first episode, one of the first scenes of the first episode, where we meet the slave. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you remember how he was battered, broken, bruised, and like, you know, like... Totally. He had tried to escape from something, like, you know, barely alive. Look at what's happened to Thorfinn. It feels like, you know, <clears throat> him being at the same kind of place with someone trying to drag him out of that and let him move on to a new place in his life by giving him the dream of Inland. It feels like a... Uh, a bookend to that moment. God. The only thing I would say is that I could see the argument being made, because I know that some of our patrons who are more intimately familiar with the manga than I am have said that they were concerned about, like, you know, getting all the necessary material in the closing moments, and indeed that didn't happen because, well, like I said, Volume 4 does not end where the anime ends. There is, like, at least a couple more chapters afterwards do you feel, before Volume Do you five. feel like it ended in a good place, though? I mean... Or, or would a better place have been? I can't answer that question without knowing how, if it ever Sharon. happens. A season... <laughs> Sharon, you think? <laughs> That's the best typo ever, Sophie. With... So, Sophie, how did you how did you learn my Saturday name? God damn it! <laughs> are you are you spoiling my secret identity here? Incredible. Uh, oh. uh, but what I mean to say is, I don't think I could answer that question, Doc, without knowing what a season uh, two, episode one, would look like, because. Without, again, spoiling, uh, but having you knowing what you know, can you imagine seeing Thorfinn in that state as a cold open to the first episode of season two, and then having the first episode backfill from there? I think that would be incredibly effective. Sure. Sure. I think that would really get people, like, you know, thinking, what the fuck happened between the end of that and this to make him end up there, in that place in his life, and we backfill? That, I think, would be an amazing cold open. Yeah, it's I just, my brain can't go to the. You, you're you're still you're still deep you're still deeply pained by that, aren't you? I am, but but I'm coming to terms with it. <laughs> I, I am uh, because you know, like he told uh, Leaf in the prison. Um, I think he said this in in jail, like. Don't talk to me, but he's told them, like, don't talk to me about home now, right? 
And to me, like, that makes total sense of, like, I mean, can you imagine him just going home? You know what I mean? Just being like, Mom, Ilva, like, I guess I'm home. Like, this guy, this... You won't believe the time I've had. It's been wild. This guy is a walking wound, and he needs to be drained of pus. He needs to be carterized. Mm. He needs to be have the infection drawn out of him. He needs... He needs to be made empty. He needs to be made empty. And that's me, you know, uh, dog whistling to uh, people who've read volume five, but I will say mm. no more than that. Yeah, I mean, he, he he has to. I think he, at this point, he really does have to earn that uh, privilege of going home. And he has to figure out, I mean, he's got to grapple with what, you know, his second father told him on his deathbed. Um, which we, we can talk about in a moment or, or now if you want, but he's got to figure out like what the fuck that means for his life. He, he's got sh- uh, so Boy. much shit to sort out before he like moves on. He, he needs to move on. He's needed to move on forever, but like clearly he is just, he, he, it cannot happen instantaneously. There needs to be this kind of purgatory purification period for him. Um, and maybe that maybe you know, that's I, what that is—that period that you told me about of his next next phase of of life. Well, you know what I would describe as um, sideways tangent here, folks. But I was recently reading an article on BBC News, uh, kind of a a journalistic like uh, long read, if you will, on a kid who had been raised in a doomsday cult, uh, deeply regimented, no knowledge of the outside world, anything like that, and then like when he was about fifteen. Uh, he was then, um, like the police intervened, took him and his family, like his other siblings into custody and arrested the mother and father and all the aunts of the cult, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he had to live in the normal world again. And that to me feels like kind of a similar thing. Like you've he's lived, not in a doomsday cult, of course, but certainly in a similar kind of way, in a very encapsulated deeply like precision laser focused worldview mm-hmm. yeah and now suddenly that has been torn from him like without his actual like consent such a fucking good uh, analogy you're making here yeah like that's been torn from him. so what happens next like you know it's just gonna be he's just gonna be whirling around or or even just broken tra- like mentally traumatized he'll get like uh the equivalent and, of the bins if he just tries to like go to the surface you know what I mean, or like, you know. I, I, well, I, I am cursed. This is one of the few times where I've got the knowledge and you don't. I am cursed with knowledge on, you know, what happens in Volume Five. So I'm gonna just keep my mouth shut on that. But that's how I see it being done here, um, like that. This is like Borfin's, you know, um, how do I put it? Like I would call it his death of sorts, but not the death in the, the sense, like you know, that he literally dies. Sure. But rather, this is the end of the fourth in that we've known for so long, and like the beginning of another, uh, a different kind. Like you know, still looks the same, might even talk a little bit the same, but will be a very different person indeed. The real King Arthur, motherfuckers! <laughs> oh Jesus! Wow! Well, well, we all know. Re- well, we all know really that Thorfinn is basically the assassin version of uh, Saber, you know, from Fate Say Night. <laughs> You know they they've done they've done enough you know different I variations. I thought Canute was. At this point. I guess Canute then is like Joan of Arc. 
What is Joan of Arc's Cast class? Of... It's like a special uh, ruler. Yeah, thank you. I was gonna say it's a new special class. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's Caster Joan. I don't know. Yeah, it is. Anyway. It is ruler. Yeah, uh, it is ruler. Um, okay. Sorry, I interrupted you. Please, please. No, I'm I'm good. Okay. Um, let's talk about Ascalad. Let's do, let's do it. Let's talk about our boy. Let's talk about. Well, let's talk about his. I mean, hey, you just to address Yuki and chat. It has to happen eventually. I know this is like the first time on the podcast I've had that. Uh, so it's a red letter day for me, and I'm very proud of myself. I will say that much. Um, so please don't <laughs> diminish this amazing moment for me. Thank you, good sir. So like, well, I guess it. it you can't. I mean, I say Asklad, but this will be about Thorfinn too. Um, you know, because he doesn't. He doesn't get his revenge and talk about, you know, we, we, we mentioned the guttural noise after Askeladd's death. We mentioned the scene in the prison where he is just broken and uh, a shell of a human mm-hmm. being. And to me, another one of those kind of scenes that really did legit choke me up was when Askeladd had been stabbed and was on the ground. And Thorfinn flew across the room and goes over to him and says, we need to get away. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Like, let's get up. Let's go. That he is still at this point. He's protecting this guy. He, the, the person that he supposedly hates. Like, I think, I mean, does he hate him? He does. But does he also kind of love him? Does he also kind of his father, his second father at this point in a weird, fucked up, unhealthy, toxic, death cult, as you say, sort of way? Like, kind of. Yeah, he, Thorfinn needs him. Thorfinn mm-hmm. needs this shit bag. And it broke my heart in that moment that, like, this it's an abusive relationship. Yes, it is. He's it, been ga- is gaslighting. He can't see that all he has to do is walk to Canute's side, and then he's set. He's he got palace life. Yeah, he'll be taken care of. He'll have a good job. He'll be respected. Um. Yeah. Just it just needs to literally give him a high five. We'll love like Theowulf again in in the same way like a, a battered spouse would love. Um, you know what I mean? Like a, attachment is right, but like there's a there's a deep need there. You know, it's not like a sort of like, well, I'll scratch my back if you scratch yours. This is a purely pragmatic relationship. I don't think. I mean, I think he really fucking is lost without this guy. And and I, I don't know. I mean. It's certainly not healthy. So I guess if you want to define love as de facto this healthy thing, then it's not that. But he has a deep attachment, as you say, and there's like, there's really, really something there. And the fact that like, this is happening and he's like, come on, we got to get up, buddy. Let's go, you know? And then it dawns on him he's going to die, of course. And he's like, no, I was supposed to fucking kill you. It was supposed to be me. Like, what does he have? Like, we're he's encountering, like, for real. Like, we've thought thought for a long time, right? Like, he's not going to get to have the revenge. 
But here he is. Here is this reality right smack in his face. And it's so terrifying. Like, it terrified me on second hand because, like, it's like the next step he takes in his life, he's, like, stepping off a cliff. I mean, like, he has no plan, no idea. He's not living for anything. When Askeladd dies, he will have no reason in his own mind to live. That's terrifying. I mean, his, his compass has been set so long to magnetic Askeladd. Yeah. And it's gone. Yeah. And how do you how do you navigate your life? And at some that? point over the years, it becomes about more than I need to kill this guy. When you're a little kid, depending on this guy for food and like, you know, living in his tents and like, of course, that's still there that he wants to kill him. But I'm sure it's more complicated and tangled up and vines and weeds of like all these weird contradictory feelings have grown up over that revenge. And it's so muddled and it's so multifaceted now. It's not simple. And that mm-hmm. comes across in just these few moments. I keep having to like refucking start my phone because I've, instead of writing my notes down, I took them in, in Google Note. So, um, and then Ask a Lab. I am really torn because, like I've mentioned earlier, he really gets this like second father deathbed moment of like, Buddy, son, hand on shoulder. Let me counsel you here as I'm about to shuffle off this mortal coil. And part of me is like, you don't deserve this. You absolute rat bastard. You die. You fucking die, you evil man. Like, you don't. But then it's like, like, in his own fucked up way, like, he's kept Thorfinn around and he's got like weird feelings for him too you know what i mean like he's attached to this kid too in a in in a way not in not as um he certainly doesn't need thorfinn as much as thorfinn needs him but like i mean he clearly something was there why else would he do this whole thing on his why else would he give a fuck about like telling this kid how to live his life i don't think he's just been like <laughs> I'm going to stick it to this kid one more time before I die. I don't think that's the case. I think he, there's some real emotion there. Well, he, well, indeed, when we saw him, you know, duel it or fourth in the last time and just kick him seven ways from Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, he did lay the truth down on him. And that's what, you know, already like mentally broke forth and as it was anyway. I think that Asgard had gotten to the point now, given everything that's happened, where he realized he couldn't let this continue, you know, onwards. He had to try and, you know, knock some truth into him. But, like I say, how does one, like, knock truth into someone else who's lived this delusion, this, like, schema of thinking yeah. for a decade or more? And it's your own fault, you person who want to knock truth into him. You, it's your fault, <laughs> you know? God. It's crazy. God. And, like... <sighs> mm. Oh my god, Sophie. You did not just write that. So, like, For the benefit of people oh. listening to this on podcast, I just need to quote what Sophie said. Oh gods, Asgard and Thorfinn have the relationship dynamics of Tom and Jerry. I, I... Sharon, what are we going to do? <laughs> Is it my turn now to storm off? I, um... <laughs> it might be your turn. But... But okay, I'm gonna try to. I can't, the thing is, you're not wrong, Sophie. So I'll leave it there. Trying to bring it back. Trying to focus. Um. So, what 
did you make of the last words? The, like, go beyond Thor's. Become a true warrior. Move on from... And look, is it shitty, of course, for him, the man who killed his dad, to be like, it's time for you to move on from me killing your dad? Yes, it's awful. But also, Mm. is it true that he needs to move on? Yes, it is true. And unfortunately for Thorfinn, the person that cares about him is in a position to tell him is also the one that did that. So he's going to do it. But like, yeah, what did you make of the the, the advice there? The, the the go beyond your dad well, stuff? I think I think the first thing that's key is noting that um, Askeladd reminds him that he is Thor's son. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, like, you know, he kind of became a surrogate father of sorts in a very twisted way, of course, but nonetheless, he fit that role. And I know what you're reacting to there. I'm just going to ignore it. You cannot. Uh, and this is going even further beyond. Oh, man. Okay, no, no, no. We must. We must. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard, though. We're, we I invite the distractions. <laughs> we, we indulge in them so often. But Damn you all. Right. Um, but I think that, firstly, him noticing, hey, you are the son of Thor's, is just kind of a reset thing to remind him, hey, I am a bad person in a way. I'm not your father. Not even, I know biologically, obviously not, but not in terms of even being a father figure. So I think that's a key confession on his part, just to kind of reframe that in Thorfinn's mind. Now, obviously, Thorfinn's known all along that his father is Thor's, but I think that, you know, a part of him, like, as, I mean, we saw the framing of him holding up Askeladd's, like, tattered cloak, you know, where it was all shaded in white, mm-hmm. in the same way as with Thor's death, where he's, like, at his knees, like, holding onto his, like, trousers. I mean, you can see it there, can't you? Yeah. The parallel is very yes. evident. So I think that that, firstly, is a key confession on his part. And... I don't know, maybe maybe it's on Askeladd's own indirect confession of his part in all this, that hey, he has done awful shit to Thorfinn. Um, and he wants to put him back on the right path as he originally saw it. I mean, Thor's himself did have that discussion with Askeladd when they were dueling, like, you know, about what it means to be a true warrior and such. So, yeah. I I can, I don't know, like, I, I think that it's, it's, co- it's extremely complicated to try yeah. and, like, work out my own fears. Because mm-hmm. Askeladd, to me, is probably one of the most compelling villains I've seen recently in anime. But best... bear in mind, I did say villain. Totally, yeah, yeah. And, like, one of the most memorable ones since, like, Griffith, you know what I mean? Like, in, in terms of complexity and charisma and all yeah. that sort of thing, yeah. But as you say, also <laughs> still bad. <laughs> Villainous. yeah. Well, this ties into something I'm going to talk about in a moment, actually. But think of it this way, right? Askeladd, in my opinion, is a product of his time. Mm-hmm. He's a product of the times he lives in. And at the very end, I think he recognizes it, like, he realizes that he can no longer allow any of this to continue, which is why he takes the third option of killing Swain there and then, even though it will probably cost him his own life. Like, Swain and Askeladd do what Thorfinn can... Sorry, not Swain, sorry. Canute and Askeladd do what Thorfinn cannot in the end. They take direct action without rigid belief structures or rules or laws stopping them from doing so. They break out of these yeah. things that they built in built over themselves for so long um, to actually take affirmative action and, you know, bring things to an end. Yeah. They're doing, they're living by their own way. Yeah, yeah totally. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think of it, like, it's kind of like a chain of, of revenge, because, like, Asclad, obviously, you know, knows Swain is responsible his own way for fucking with Wales and, like, ruining everything. Um, and in the end, though, his revenge against Swain, or, like, him murdering him there and then, you know, it also then establishes uh, Canute, and in turn leaves Canute indebted to him, and, like, you know, I think Canute would probably be pretty honourable in his own right, you know, making sure Wales is left alone. Mm-hmm. So I think that the lesson here is to be shown that, you know, for Thorfinn, he really, if he did want Askeladd dead, should have done it long ago and not been held back by notions of honour or, you know, face-saving even, I would say. Still complaining about the duel at the very last. Yeah, yeah, I I don't even think, like, you know, anymore that it was necessarily about, like, the abstract term of honour, but more just upholding his father's reputation as he perceived, even though... Up to this point, no one gives a fuck who Thor's is anymore, and I don't think anyone had done for quite a while. Like, people knew him as the troll of Yom and all that. Yeah. But did that matter anymore? I mean, Thor's himself didn't want it to matter anymore. So, all of this stuff that Thorfinn's been working for has been the aid of something that his own father would, for many reasons, not least of which being, you know, the continued, like, revival of his reputation as a warrior in, you know, the worst possible way... Like he would see it as a as awful, mm-hmm. you know. So I I think that that's one of the other lessons. I mean, this is something we've talked about a lot previously, about how hey, um, Vinland Saga is suggesting that rigid belief systems, be it religion, be it personal mm-hmm. ethics, morals, values, or whatever, they're not necessarily like things that you should stick to cast iron. If you need to break out of them in order to do something, you know, in the here and now for the greater good, even if it's something like heinous. You should. Because hanging on to that belief system to make sure things are done in the proper way, as you see it, you know, that will allow suffering to go on continually. And it could very well even be your own suffering. I mean, look at Thorfinn, like, all these confessions we've seen of him, it'll never be enough. It wasn't meant to be this way. Like, I've said before, and I'll say it again, those lines, as much as they are his anger, like, you know, about, like, how things are different... I think that in turn that's his recognition on some level that he knows that this is all wrong and perverse and twisted. Mm-hmm. So even he knows that. But he doesn't ultimately act on it. And now it's been taken from him. I mean, I suppose you and I can ask you a question. In fact, let me ask oh, you a can question. Can I answer my, the question I posed to you, though, first? Okay. Yes, go on. So the, the, the deathbed uh, council, the last... The last words of, of uh, "Go beyond Thor's." Hear my words, Thorfinn. <laughs> Your hair is stupid. Get it cut, you shit. Blah. Vader, you must confront Vader. <laughs> Isn't that what Yoda says before he it dies? Is... No, no, well, 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 no. You've obviously got to make the veil. Just... It is too late. For... Oh yeah, son. <laughs> yeah, yes. Man, can we get like some photoshopping Asclad's face in the Darth Vader helmet? <laughs> it is. Oh no, 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 no! I could go one better. Can you can you imagine Asclad throwing King Swain down the Death Star shoot? <laughs> That's such a glorious image in my mind. Oh Jesus! So, um, yeah. I think this might tie up so, to some degree, or at least I'm thinking of the two scenes. Um, when uh, Leif tells Thorfinn uh, 
what what do you think Thor's was running away from um back in, in the in the prison like he's running away from the strife and the the burdens and uh all the the horrors of war and the cycle that is uh he has to participate in and at that point Thorfinn looks up into the blue sky, right? Sees the clouds. And to mm-hmm. me, this sort of indicates like Thor's was running away from that to freedom to like be able to choose his own life. And I think when Thorfinn realized that and looked up, I think he got scared. I think freedom <clears throat> is like terrifying concept to him because mm-hmm. he lashed out at Canute it, when Canute offered that to him because um, he has mm-hmm. never had that he's always been in like a parasitic kind of arrangement oh, yeah. with, with someone he's never been been free I mean what is what is that right and and so like so he's being freed while Askeladd is dying and I can part of me is still like you motherfucker you don't deserve this. De- <laughs> you don't deserve this death scene. You don't deserve to go out on your own terms, killing the king, and being like, "Yeah, boy, I did it. I saved Wales. I killed Swain. I did everything I wanted to do." And now Thorfinn, let me tell you what's up. But, but you try to think of a different way to write it, and I just you'd have to rewrite so much of it to have someone. I, I, think, I think it's very intentional though, like because as I say, Asgard is a product of his time. And so all the awful shit that he's done, we're not meant to sympathize. We're meant to recognize that, hey, you know, his death is a tragedy, not because he himself is a tragic person necessarily. Like we feel bad because he did all these wonderful things, but precisely because he did all those bad things and he could have been something else. Yeah. He could have been better than that. You're right. You're and right. That's in turn that. why him killing Swain is a big deal because he's trying to break that cycle. We've talked about cycles, you know, things happening over and over again. Will Canute follow in the footsteps mm-hmm. of his father? Mm-hmm. You know, or will he break away from it? Will he find a better answer just as Thorfinn has to find a better answer? Because, I mean, spoilers for the previous episodes of Inland Saga, Thor's philosophy got him killed. Whoops. Right. And I think this is where Askeladd may be coming from with with uh, Surpass Your Father, right? Like, you know, tells him to fucking unfreeze your life, unfreeze time, move on from these moments that you've been stuck in, and... You know, your dad was an incredible warrior, but as you pointed out, Shadon, and have done many times, um, his kind of rigidness maybe as far as... um, I won't kill. Yeah, that that moral code um, seemed to... And and again, I don't know if the show is condemning that or not, but like Askeladd certainly thinks that's what, what got him got him killed um Mm -hmm. and yeah just the whole like look go beyond where your dad got like be a a true warrior that maybe doesn't hide away and run away from the cycle but like finds a way to break it maybe because i don't know maybe that's what he's interested in i don't know this is i'm struggling with what it means well, there's something else to know. Um, he says to Thorfinn, go be a true warrior. What did Thor say a true warrior was? Someone who has no, no enemies. No need for a sword, yeah. He mm-hmm. had 
he had one enemy, only one, and they, they're now gone. So believe it or not, the path has been opened up for him to become the true warrior that his father had always said he should be. It had to be forced on him, mm. to be sure, but it has happened. Interesting, interesting. Mm. All right. I have a question ask, for you. Ask then, me the Doc. question. All right. So this is the tough one. Now, I'm not going to say it's impossible that in an alternate version of events that Thorfinn couldn't have killed Askeladd in a duel. I think it would have taken an exceptionally long time to happen and may very well have only ended up coming about because Askeladd decided, you know, he got arthritis or some shit like that, you know. Just because age takes him, not because of, like, anything mm-hmm. else. Not because of Thorfinn's own talent. So the question I'm going to ask you is this, though. Do you think, in the end... The only way that Thorfinn could ever have been freed from his vendetta was because someone else killed Askeladd. Do you think it had to happen that way for him to have been free? Because there's no way he would have ever, like, got to the point where he would be able to take Askeladd out himself. I think if you're talking about this as if it was, like, if it was real life, then there are many ways it could have happened. But I think in terms of this fiction, to get across all the different, um, points that the author seems to want to get across i think this was a necessary thing mm-hmm. that's where i'm that's where i'm at on it that 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 yeah he has to reckon with not having anything to live for and also like failing at his life's pursuit um, and come out the other side of that somehow, uh, despite like reaching a I mean, point where he clearly did give up in this, you know, in episode twenty-three. I, I I would agree. I believe that that's the case as well. That you know, it's possible sometimes and has happened for mm-hmm. people to break free of their own like you know, like life structures and life choices that are of course incredibly toxic for them. But sometimes it's also very necessary for intervention to happen as well. Now, granted, that was not Canute's original intent, of course, in killing Askeladd. But I personally can't see how this would have ever come to pass. Not And even if it had like come to the point where, say, Thorfinn was like, what, 40? And Askeladd was like 70. And he's like hobbling around. He barely moves, And he finally kills him just because he's too old to fight back. Mm-hmm. That's even more of a tragedy than it is right now. Because that's so many more the years hollow victory. Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, I think that it was necessary, like, for someone else to do that in the end, to set forth in free in a sense. Although, ironically, given what I've told you in private. <laughs> oh my God. Now you've just given it away. But no, like, I guess, yes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes we can't. Oh, come on. Uh... I spoil. I, I, hint, I hinted that when I talked about the stuff that was happening in the background with the discussion. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, well, I'm not going to spoil it outright, but you get the point. Um, Anyway, all right, so I've got a talking point as well. And for this, I just need to quickly leave my desk. I'll be back in one second. Okay, I just will, uh, as you leave your desk, I'll just say re Thorfinn uh, freeing himself. Um, I think sometimes, like, we're not interested. Not only are people maybe not even not able to do it by themselves, but, like, I just don't even think he was interested in it. I don't, I don't think he would have tried to because he'd been given chances to start to try to move on and and decouple his life from Askeladd's life but he just was Mm. not interested yeah 
I, I like to say, like, I think that that death cult analogy for me sounds mm-hmm. very true. And indeed, even if you don't go that far, I still think there are plenty of examples like of people who have lived in abusive relationships, mm-hmm. like say, just being married, you know, you get beaten by your husband however many, like, you know, days a week for years and you don't know any different. Mm-hmm. How on earth do you have a frame of reference to work outside of that to realize, hey, this isn't right. I shouldn't be allowing this to happen. You know, the idea of something being normal, folks, like normal is a relative term. Yeah. Uh-huh. You live in such an awful, in such an awful like circumstance for your entire life. That is your normal. Mm-hmm. And normal, as we understand, is just like a consensus, right. really, more than anything else. Yeah, and and you know, I've talked to you before about uh, having an addict in my family, and mm-hmm. you know, this person, like you, like trying to help them is the most fruitless thing in the world because they're just not interested in being helped at this point. There has to be some kind of circumstance, something that they just, they have to hit some kind of brick wall at some point and we hope that it doesn't kill them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that beca- Because everything else has been tried and, and has failed and they still are not going to rehab, missing court dates, uh, going back to old people and all that, just it's uh, they they do not have the internal um, machinery to make that change on their own, and they don't care to develop it. Well, you know what's just hit me like a ton of bricks actually. Now that I've just realized it, uh, this kind of thing that's been happening with Thorfinn, I've seen this in elsewhere. Would you believe? Okay, in another anime that I've been watching fairly recently that I. I'm incredibly enamored with and think is quite possibly the best work of art I've seen in anime. I'm talking Moraru Penguin Drum. It's the same thing. Breaking out of cycles, fate, you know, paternal, like, you know, impressions, like, you know, and father figures and all that. Hmm. Um, You know, having outside forces come in necessarily to shake you out of your funk. I see a future audio essay. (laughs) You You may very well see it indeed. That could be a thing. But yeah, like, who would have thought, like, you know, if I, you told me, oh, it's a Viking epic, that we'd be looking something that would deal in abusive father-son relationships, mental, like, illness, emotional trauma, all this kind of awful shit. Um, and, and like, the, it just makes yeah. me like the show even yeah. more. Holy and, like, crap. the really well-done, you know, Game of Thrones shit. Oh, so mm. good. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I've talked talk before, like, about micro and macro level of examination, and I previously kind of didn't really care for the macro level stuff of like all the political intrigue, right? Really, I'm more of a character drama kind of guy. But I can't deny that Makoto Yukimura's like focus on doing involving that was to make the point, as I say, that Swade, that Askeladd, and even Thorfinn and Canoe and Thorkell, they're all creations of the period that they live in. You know, mm-hmm. they're not just simply well, they are all people of unique circumstances, but with common threads among them. And so he's making the point in his work that, you know, while ultimately they do commit, like a lot of them do do awful shit, they are in turn, you know, functions of the times and the times themselves must change. And that's indeed why this act ends with Swain's death and in turn Askeladd's death as well, with the somewhat muted, but at least it's still their hope of Canute taking over and having a softer touch. Although, as I say, like, you know, him saying he wants to build paradise on Earth, that's the legend of of you know Babylon, and it don't end well for Babylon. Just saying. All right, 
my next talking point then, because you know might know that I went to my little library of. Sorts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have, I have here volume five of Villain Saga. Now, why am I bringing volume five up here? I'm not going to spoil anything for you folks, but you might recall I had a complaint at various points during the middle section of this show where I said that I really wasn't into the pacing of it. I thought, can we get a move on? Can we get to the character stuff? Bloody, 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 bloody. So, without actually showing it to you on screen, because again, I don't want to spoil, I'm just going to quickly flick to the chapter section here to show how many like chapters there are in this volume. One, two, three, four, four. That makes to me eight. Uh, Fifteen. There are 15 chapters in this book. Now, bear in mind that, you know, if you think of it as equivalent, like, you know, there are four volumes that made up this anime. So 15, uh, this being one quarter of it, I would probably say constitutes six episodes or so. I read this in a day. Oh, man. I read this in a day because I was that engrossed mm-hmm. by it. So here's the thing, right? I think that, you know, my complaints about this show's pacing, which... I'm going to say are still valid in my well, opinion, sure. but just for different, re- different reasons. I think that this is one of the unfortunate pitfalls that you find when you're adapting a manga to an anime. Yeah. In that, you know, what we perceive like when we consume media is often how it's structured in terms of like, you know, chapters and bookmarks and segregation. I mean, that does have 15 chapters in it, don't get me wrong. But there's nothing stopping me once I purchase this volume from going straight to the end. Like, think of it this way, right? There are four volumes that constitute this anime, right, in terms of the manga material, okay? That's four separate, like, physical entities, if you will, four separate, like, works that you would read. Whereas the anime is 24 episodes. Like, that's a lot more individual chunks. And when you're getting them week on week, rather than having, like, you know, this concentrated burst, as you will, you'll perceive the material differently as a result. So... I'm just saying that, you know, I think that it's worth noting that if I have a complaint about the pacing of this show, I think that that is an unavoidable reality of its release schedule and in turn also its transition from manga to anime to be totally the medium. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame. And part of me then wonders if, you know, maybe as if you're adapting it, you could in turn take more steps to try and build on that. Yes. But then, of course, you might then get away from the point the show is trying to make because, maybe, like all the slow pace, yeah, all the slow pace stuff. Like, I mean, that episode, for example, that I said is kind of optional, but isn't where we get to see like the girl. You know, that one should not be attached. No, 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 no. No, I, 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 I agree <laughs> yeah. because that to me felt like a pivotal moment of reorienting our viewpoints to show Thorfinn and Askeladd when they were, you know, banded together as pirates, like you know, from the perspective of a regular civilian. And the fact that they were doing awful shit. They might, you know, Thorfinn might be our hero, but he's complicit in some heinous crap, you yeah. know. He's doing crime, and he ain't doing time for it either. Yeah. Just saying. So I only, I'm bringing it up because I think that it's just key to note whenever you want to criticize a work, just that if it is adapted from a manga, give some consideration and some maybe a little bit of lenience to pacing if you're bothered by it, because it doesn't quite work the same way. I mean, like I say, I went through this, I went through this in the afternoon. But if this was six episodes, I'd have to wait six weeks to devour this. Yeah, like you said, it's, it's like um, definitely one of those things that it's good to have an understanding of it, right? That like a, a medium of a comic book is the pace is almost entirely up to you, the reader. Um, whereas mm-hmm. uh, it's not the case in the show. So that is a thing built into that uh, adaptation process. But at the same time, at the same time, 
like you also said, it is the responsibility of the uh, adapter. And I guess the author, right? The author has to agree, like, yeah, you can adapt my work this way, or no, it needs to be totally slavish to my original vision and do everything this way. depends on how... It de- I'm sure it depends on a production production basis. Like I imagine, as to how much latitude the people adapt to are given, um, and indeed how much authorial involvement there can be. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey. I know I'm bringing that up of all things, but that was notorious for you know the author E.L. James having like near veto control over so many things because she threw a massive hissy fit at every change they made, despite the fact that that book is a giant garbage fire and all the changes made to it, you know, were necessary to try and make it better. That's a discussion for a different time. Go watch Dan Olsen's video on it. It's fascinating. It is. It's <clears> really <throat> interesting. What is it? A lukewarm defense of Fifty Shades of Grey? What a... Yeah. A, oh, what a guy. Holding true. ideas. It's true. It's a good it's YouTube channel. Ah, uh, it is indeed. Um, so, yeah. Um, oh, I have one final okay. thing uh, to mention here. Um, I, like... I think that the final moment of the show where... Um, like Thorfinn drops the dagger. Like, I love that. So good. I think it's a, it's it's such a great moment to represent, like you know how that's the end of his life as we mm-hmm. know it. But again, without spoiling, like you know, I have to, I'm 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 going to read for all the volumes that come after this now. Like, I really want to see what happens next time. And at the same time, I'm okay with it ending there rather than it ending like you know at the point that doesn't the manga necessarily, because I think that you know, it's a I think it's them hedging their bets a little mm-hmm. bit because if there isn't going to be a season two, I think that that's still a fine point to end on. We don't know his ultimate fate, but we aren't left necessarily with an open ending such like where, oh, we know what happens next to him or like where he ends up in his life. We just know that this is the stage in his life that's ended and what follows could be anything mm-hmm. really. So just a small point, but I think that that moment was was great. Uh, I don't know necessarily how I feel about this, the insert shots of the future characters coming because again, that's more cock teasing than anything. Well, it it could but... be like I mean, again, if you uh, Yukimura was involved heavily, like, um, I, I, as much as I was teasing about it earlier, being like, ah, so people we have no idea about, it is sort of a reminder maybe to people like, hey, there's more to this, and you can go buy it on at your local bookshop. Um, so maybe it's just that kind of thing. And I guess that's fair. Um, although like, again, uh, it's all so complicated for me because those, those things annoy me, but like, it's necessary in this case, because I think the season two of this is pretty, like, it's pretty in doubt, right? I mean, it's, you know, the magic eight ball will say not likely if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I'll look, I'll look not so yeah, good. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. I, I agree. All right. Well, I've said everything I want to say about these two specific episodes. Do you have anything else you want to add in, Doc? Let's get to the patron questions, buddy. Oh, we do indeed. Right. So uh, we have two uh, questions here. Uh, let's see. I'm just finding them. Uh, the first of which comes from Blinkaji. Shouts to you, Blink. Uh, could you guys talk about Farkel's opinions on Askeladd's rampage and Thorfinn's response to his death? So, we talked a little bit about this, but... Forkel's opinions on Askeladd's rampage, like I, I think at this point, like as I say, Forkel, he I think is someone people would take too lightly in terms of his intelligence. Like no one's like underestimating him in terms of physicality. Dude's like seven foot tall and like you know could probably bench press like you know at least three cows simultaneously. But I mean, in terms of his opinion on the rampage, like 
he is very savvy and recognizes all of the political drama that's unfolding for what it is. Uh, in terms of, you know, like he could put down Asgard immediately, but he knows for well, like he wants to, you know, support Canute, put him on there. So put him on the throne and also like make sure that he has the legitimacy of being a king because being a king in Viking times was about projections of strength, you know, which also funnily enough is why Swain was well past his prime because he looks like he was moldy bred at this point. So I think that for me, like his opinions, like in terms of like how I view them, I think that he's got a very good finger on the pulse of what's going on. I think that uh, people take it too lightly in terms of his in intelligence, like, you know, that he's only there to like, you know, as I say, beer, booze and bloodshed, the, the triple B, as it were. Um, as for Thorfinn's response to Asgard's death, I think we've talked about yep. that. Um, I only thing I would add is that I think that his reaction, like, I mean, obviously I've never been in a similar circumstance as he has, but all of the behavior that follows, like the dead eyes, you know, like the guttural scream and all that, like, I can, like, read that so many different ways. Like, you could see it as grief of, in terms of, like, losing a father or a father figure. You could see it, for example, as... <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, like, anguish at, like, that thing being taken away from these known so long. Uh, the whole idea of, like, you know, it being an analogy of, like, having a scab ripped off a wound. Mm -hmm. You know, and now it's just pure pain. <laughs> mm -hmm. But all of the behavior that I see here, like, I can see being completely natural. Like, there's a, there's a risk that you run when you get to, like, moments like that where your reaction is so hammy. Like, you know, no! <laughs> the Resident Evil 1 FMV intro. Don't yeah. go! <laughs> no! Like, but no, it, it... It was earned by what built to it, and in turn, I think, felt like a very... I, I want to say natural, and I don't mean that in a positive way. Like, because, of course, you know, it's an awful moment for him as a person. But it feels to me like that kind of response one would have to such prolonged trauma, like, and then that moment where, like, say, the, the plasters rips off. So It was incredible. Incredible writing long-term and acting in the moment. They just, he, it was so earned. And it was so well done. And, like Theowulf just said, Thorfinn didn't cry. Um, because he's a husk of a human being <laughs> at this point. Who, I mean... It's, 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 yeah, we had the response to the death we've really talked about a lot and, uh, and it was really masterful, um, and, and totally, totally, uh, a great moment in anime, I think. And, um, and I guess manga, manga too, since this is a manga thing. Um, <laughs> could you guys talk about Thorkel's opinions on Askeladd's rampage? Did Thorkel have opinions about it or... Canute was the one that was. I think talk, 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 talk about being the wild dog and how Canute needs. Yeah, to yeah. Canute was the, definitely the one who sort of saw through the mirage, and uh, it, it, like we said, it was really smart of him. And he it, he has backed Canute, and and he helped him hugely in that in that uh, uh, moment when he said, "You need to put him down because he's yours." That was a huge thing. I think that will end up that moment will be the thing if conspiracy charges are never leveled at Canute. That'll be the thing that seals the deal, and it's Thorkel that made that happen. Um. Mm. Okay, uh, final question here is, uh, this is from Feowulf. Was Canute faking his kingly persona? What, is this, what does this mean? Um, Theowulf is in chat. Well, Could you please elaborate on this? Because 
Well, if I may speculate, okay. I think the intent behind behind this is that, you know, Canute had to step up and start asserting a Pharisee. Uh, you know, once he took the crown on his head, and he did under the run up to that as well, like, you know, telling the guards what to do, you know, um time to start kill for him. I think that I think that for me, uh with Canute here, I think it's something that he's always had the ability to do, but only over time has he ever actually like slowly started to exert that ability to have that kind of like tough guy axis fail will puts in the chat. And I think this is the point where he truly has to embrace it. Um, I mean, call it a faking thing if you will. Um, I think you could argue that might be true. Um, but I think that it's something that he in turn has always been very good at in terms of like, you know, pretending to be something that he's not mm. necessarily. Um, what I would be curious about now is like, you know, if he is indeed faking his kingly persona just to make, you know, sort things out in the moment. Does that then in turn mean that he will become a proper king in time as Swain did, but also become like the same kind of king Swain was, which was to say a malicious, evil, twisted son of a bitch? So, so I don't think he's been faking it. Uh, I think so. So when like six, seven, eight episodes ago, whenever he made that turn of denouncing God and saying, I'm going to make utopia on earth. I will take all the sin on my back uh, that all the bloodshed that's going to result in creating it. Um, you know, if God doesn't care about us, then I, I'm going to make heaven on earth. We're going to bring it down here. All that is real. And it was so real that it stopped Askeladd and Thorkel dead in their tracks when they could, you know, Thorkel or whoever could have cut him down. Uh, they were like, I see the real conviction in this kid's eyes. I'm going to be your vassal. And he turned it all around. And, like, I think it's actually adds to the the natural feeling of all this, that he's not just a complete badass making everyone wilt at every single moment. Like, of course he's going to be a little nervous up on that stage. I mean, he has conviction and he has charisma and he has his own little group of devoted followers, but he's also in a really precarious position. And so he's, he's got to be cautious. If I may add as well, let's, also remember that there's a different opinion on this that comes from King Swain himself, where he said that the crown had a kind of power. Mm -hmm. And indeed, when you, you know, put that thing on, like, did you know, did you and I not talk about the Stanford prison experiment doing during this particular series? The, the Stanford what? Prison experiment. Yes, we did. Mm -hmm. You know, where people took mm -hmm. on roles. Yeah. So I would argue that, you know, at what point does faking it even mass necessarily? Like once the crown's on his head, he assumes the role and that becomes who he is. In the same way, you know, that Swain said that the crown held power over him. Um, so, for me, I think that, you know, it's something that he's always been capable of. But once the crown is indeed on his head, that's when he truly embraces it. The question is, of course, you know, whether or not we can get the whole power corrupts kind of thing happening. Well, I think, yeah. Because he has good intentions, uh, but... Sure, sure. I, I think he has embraced it already because he killed Askeladd before he put on the crown. I mean, that... That act, you ha he has to be fully committed to his course of action to kill Askeladd. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. and again, totally like Ooh, that's totally a, a realistic uh, depiction of a ki a kid who has a firm belief about what he's doing, but he just killed a man for the first time. Of course, he's going to be a little bit wobbly legged. You know, I would be. <laughs> God knows, I'd be puking. Um, mm. Fucking hell! I mean, like. So yeah, I, I think that turn he made was real, 
And it's always, he he's never kind of wavered. He's been about that, but he is still just a kid in this game of very powerful people. And now that he does have the crown, um, he really is going to have to stuff down any kind of hesitation and fear that he might have in these different moments. Well, if I may, uh, you know, I may not be a patron, but let me ask you a question, mm-hmm. Docs, to round out this discussion. Did Canute, in the end, kill Askeladd for the reasons that Forkel suggested of, you know, giving him that legitimacy of, like, you know, avenging his father, you know, making him seem like the big swinging dick of the room, that he was the one who was able to do it when no other one could, you know, to show him as a man of action? Or did he kill Askeladd as revenge for killing Ragnar? Oh, wow. I wonder if that was going through his head. I mean, there is no hint of that that is presented in the episode, but I can totally believe that. And indeed, I don't, I'm again not spoiling here, I could see that being something that is expanded upon Uh in later volumes if we see Canoe Mm -hmm. again. You know, why did I end up killing that man? Well, I believe it's because I wanted to kill him to, you know, establish my, you know, domain, my power, but I also did it because I wanted revenge. I would not be shocked if it was, as Blue Sea says, like, I think if you did it in a pie chart. Why not? (laughs) If you did it in a pie chart, I bet it would be, like, mostly for the political reasons. But I bet when he gets right up to the line of of, uh, going from a thought and potential to action, subconsciously, I bet that pushed him over the line. Well, you can imagine him, like, stabbing the sword in. Mm-hmm. And so as he's there, like, he's stabbing, right? I'm doing this for politics. I'm doing this for politics. I'm doing this for politics. I'm doing it because you killed Ragnar, you dick. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, right at the end. Yeah. That's the thing that would push him over the line. Yeah. Yeah, he made the throw. I, c- I could see it being that way. That's an interesting... An interesting pull, my friend. Oh, boy. I, I mean, again, that's something that could be expanded on in future material, but it's certainly open for our speculation right now. All right, then. Uh, that brings us to the end of our Patreon mm-hmm. questions. So thank you very much to Spinkaji and to Wolf and everyone else who's actually contributed questions to this entire series. Uh, it's brought us some amazing discussions, so thank you all so much for doing so. If you yourself listening at home would like to contribute to Warrior Desho financially and get on, you know, in on this wonderful poll or question-asking, you know, action, uh, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Warrior Get yourself on the free dollar tier at minimum. You can ask us questions, get yourself early access to episodes, uh, including our second stream, Patreon exclusive stream, you know, uh, where we're covering Jula Rich at the moment. Uh, you can even, you know, ask us, say, for example, to cover this particular anime if you go on to the $5 tier. All that sort of good stuff is out there waiting for you. Check out the benefits on our page there. Before we rate these episodes, Doc, I suppose you and I should round out with our discussion of the series. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, how do we want to do this? Because we got polls, we've got episode ratings, and we've got uh, overall series thoughts. What order do we do those in? Uh, I'll tell you what. Polls, ratings, overall series. I think that makes sense to me. Let's end Let's end on the note of talking about the show as a whole. So I'll let you go to the polls first. All right. Can you restart the call while I reload the polls? Thank on you, it. sir. We're still here. I've got to get us both off screen. Okay, there we are. Um, all right. Ahem, ahem. The polls. Here we go. You can vote at Watery Desho. These will be up for a week. There won't be another Vinland stream for us to read these on. And we've got Azekin polls going already. So we're gonna are we going to read these results just on the next 
uh, Azokin? Um, Is this a stream of thought? Why? Why okay. not? I'm okay. sure we did. I'm sure we did the same for Banana Fish and the like when we've covered them previously. Yeah. yeah. It just. Well, I don't think it was an episode three of the next thing, but. But this is, you know, this is how it goes. Um, all right. Finale poll number one. Here's the early returns. Is Askeladd's reaction face to the whale's invasion plan the greatest face in anime history? It's going to be, it's going to be an emote in our Discord. It must it has to be. <laughs> uh, no question is winning with 90% of the vote. Poll I'll two. Be. Askeladd. King Insulter. The Decapitator. Real one or scrub? It's a 75-25 split for a real one. Uh, Askeladd is a real one, so STFU, 25% of you. Uh, poll number three. Thorf, whoops, uh, something got in the way. Thorfinn's scream slash guttural noise at the end. Best of its kind in voice acting, yes or no? It's so far early days, but 100% yes. Uh, vote uh, at Watery Desho on Twitter, you've got a week to do your voting, and we'll read the results, the final results, uh, at uh, Azekin Episode 3 talk time. Mm. If I may just intervene, by the way, Docs, I was actually going to put my own answers on the poll. I noticed we've hit a wonderful little milestone. We've just hit 500 followers on Twitter. <gasps> Yay for us. Congratulations. Thank you all. Thank, thank hey. you all. Thank you all so yeah. much for contributing. It's really yeah, I know our 499th follow was an account that was um, about martial arts. Eyebrow I'm okay rings. with that. <laughs> I got, I got, to, I got to learn how to punch a motherfucker <laughs> someday. So I'm okay with that. Uh, anyway, so yeah, thank you all so much uh, for joining us. Uh, both be on Twitter, like you know, on YouTube, Twitch, wherever you may find us. Uh, as we've covered Vinland Saga, it's always appreciated to have your thoughts, your jokes, your opinions. Like it's been wonderfully. It's just been great. It's such a great vibe having all the people we've had talk to us as we've gone along for this series. And indeed, I hope you all continue to come back to join us for Azekin and all of the other shows that we'll be covering in the future. Uh, but of course, we're not done with this particular stream yet because we still need to rate the episodes and then, of course, talk about our overall thoughts. So, Doc, uh, do you want to go first with rating episode 23 and 24? Sure. Or do you want I'll me go to first, go? but I need to ask you. Uh, who, are you what, how tall are you? We've been asked in chat. Uh, I am just I am just shy of six foot. Me too. So I'm five foot ten. Are you five eleven? I'm okay. tall. I, I'm okay. five eleven. So basically neck. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Compared to me, you are but a tiny baby man. <laughs> yes, a single inch. Uh... Get fucked, Shorty. <laughs> do you still do? Do you still do the the inches and feet? Does it weird? Don't you? Don't you measure height differently? Don't you say I'm I'm. Three I think it, I kilos think... tall, or whatever. <laughs> Look, right, I know that the metric system is the superior method, uh, but England, you know, as you might not have noticed over the past couple of years, is a backwards, divided, you know, insane little, like, you know, split-brain country. So... <laughs> split-brain. So I'm afraid... <laughs> So I'm afraid to say uh, that there are a lot of things we still use the imperial system for, such as, for example, speedometers, uh, measurements of distance on the on motorways or highways, as you yank proletarians call it. Uh, so yeah, height is one He's of them. He's about four stone away from me, love. Oi. Ten nautical miles. Gov. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Let me write the episode. Episode twenty. Please, please, please. How, out of how many, how many nautical miles does this episode get? Um, episode twenty-three. Uh, I am gonna give. Oh boy. I can't remember how I've like what the context is for my ratings, but like, just of these two, I'm gonna say that twenty-three is um. 4.75, uh, you know, Kaiji internal states <laughs> out of five. <laughs> and episode Incredible. 24 is five whole uh, sort of chilling, guttural screams uh, of desperation out of five. Yeah. Nice, nice. All right. For me, um, for episode 23... Like that was to me was sending up the chessboard for the final uh, episode, and it did such a great job of that. Bits of it, I could take a leave. Like for example, the whole lead up necessarily to Forfin getting put in jail, and for example, and all that. But all in all, I- I'm going to give that one uh, four point five. Uh, you know, how do I put this? Uh, four point five birds that got away, hmm. uh, and then for for the final one. I'm not going to give it the whole five, I'm afraid. I know you're going to think I'm a, I'm a moron for that. Uh, but I think that, that in part is because, again, like, you know, I wish the ending had, like, necessarily didn't have the teasers of the characters, for example. A lot of it was super strong. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like that time could have been used more effectively to round out the show. Not least of which by showing us actually what happened so far. And you could have totally done that in ten seconds. I guess. Like, I mean, that's a fair criticism of the last few shots. I I guess my I know my that's full a, five is all yeah. about my like an enjoyment, and I I really do think like what they get right is um really really difficult to do and takes like a lot of commitment oh, I, to I, a vision and direction. You know, I agree. So in the end, it's going to be four point seven five out of five. Four Kel ruins another all you can eat buffet because that's what he's want to do. All right, so let's round out our talk. On the show as a whole, uh, I'm going to go first on this yep. one. I'm going to be honest with you all here. In the list of anime that I saw in 2019, Vinland is not in my top three. My top three is as follows: in starting from top to bottom, basically. B stars, Sarah's and my Mob Psycho 200. Oh, I thought you were okay when you said that you saw. I thought you were going to go all the stuff that you watched. I thought you were going to be like Pe- Penguin. No, Drone. no, yeah. but okay. No, that no, okay. no, no. Okay. no so no, what is no. so it's uh, B stars, Sarah's on my and Mob Psycho. Okay. Yes. In that order. Yeah. In that okay. order. You look like you're really restraining yourself from from protesting. Not really. There. I mean, just because I didn't watch B stars, and I'm trying to think. Of the other stuff. Um, it's real fucking hard. I mean, I think I would put Vinland ahead of Given. And I think I would put it ahead of The Promised Neverland. I actually would agree with you there. Because uh, the part I was going to make next was I would call Vinland my fourth mm-hmm. favorite. And yeah, but- I, I think I'm with you. Like, I I can't... Oh, a mob mob is, is number one. But I think Vinland, the Vinland Saras and Mai is like a real thing in my brain. And it's difficult because recency bias is so heavy for Vinland. I'd, I'd have to really think yeah. about it. Like, But I think it's in my top three. Just, but I didn't watch Beastars, unfortunately, for, for me. So Thanks, Netflix. Yeah. We Douche still need bags. to, like, I, I just need to, like, 
sailed the high seas and me and you and James need to do a show on it. We do. I, I've got so many things, Sarah. But that's not what we're here to talk about. So for all that I'm saying that, though, like, why am I talking about ratings and rankings, really? Why, why even bother with that? Because let's be honest, like, putting a number or ranking things is all, it can be fun in its own right, you know, it can. Like, this is why you have Funimation and Crunchyroll doing their, like, you know, anime of the year polls. Because it's fun, you know, it gets people talking. The anime awards. The me- Best girl, Porkettle. I really, really can't wait for Raftalia to win best girl. That's going to be a fucking, like, flashpoint moment. Does she have to make a speech? Does the anime character then have to? What would no, you say? No, now Fumi would make the speech. Yes, he would do it for Actually, uh, on behalf of my slave, I'm going to make the speech. Uh, I'm actually the. I'm actually Thank awesome. you. Uh, you know, I made her everything that she is. She owes everything to me. Yeah. So. I appreciate this vote. It's a vote for me. Um, get fucked. See you later. <laughs> wow, that was a very authentic now for me. Well done, <laughs> lad. Uh, anyway, but here's the thing, right? Vinland Saga for me, like, I really, really appreciate, even if it isn't necessarily, like, even in the top three for a number of reasons that I, I don't think can be understated enough. The first thing I want to point out is that, like, this is an anime, don't get me wrong, but, like, in the terms of, like, how we view the stereotypes of what anime is, you know, like, we often think of, like, magical girls, Mecca, and all that shit. But this is just straight-up drama set in Viking period. And yet, it works. And there are still parts of it that I don't think you could really do in live action. I mean, Thorkell, for example. Thorkell is, like, anime in of himself. But I think that Vinland Saga's existence and how well it's been executed overall is a testament to the strength of anime as a medium that it allows it to be so flexible as to be what is otherwise a no sor- no sorcery, you know, all that kind of thing, uh, production of just Viking drama. You know? I mean, this, I mean, no lie, I've been playing Witcher 3 recently. This show is punching in the same weight category as The Witcher 3 in terms of its quality of writing, in my opinion. Wow. That's how high this is punching. High praise. And on top of that, it is very high praise, don't get me wrong. And on top of that, like, I am impressed on how, like, I my original impression, as I say, was that this was going to be a Viking epic as retold by a Japanese mangaka, or rather, a new Viking epic told by a Japanese mangaka, which would be like, you know, big battles, broad, you know, everyone's going to swing swords, it's going to be bloody and awesome and all that, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. But in the same way that people often misappropriate Berserk as an action show, which is, by the way, why I also don't think the Black Swords and stuff is anywhere near as good as the Golden Age, but that's a discussion for a different day. Um, Mango wise like, or anime wise? Uh, anime wise, but I'll again I will talk about that some other time. Uh, for me, like getting into all of the ideas that it has about cyclic conflicts, wars corrupting, like you know, influence on nature and people. Uh, you know, the idea of father figures and what our fathers leave behind, and how our fathers are not necessarily always right. Ooh in what they say, even when they're as well-intentioned as forces, you know, and then leading all the way to seeing, like, the mental and emotional destruction of the lead character with a little bit of a promise of, you know, his rebirth into something different and better. There's so much heavy stuff in here. My complaints really, again, only kind of start and end with the way that the show is structured. I do still think it was a mistake for them to adapt the earlier episodes in the order they did, where they had the episode where we see Asclad on the boat you know, be the, like, later on, 
Because I think Yukimura's like intent, as I say, was to have him start as awesome and then have him be built, like dragged down over time where we realize truly who he is as a person. Whereas in reverse, it works to do the opposite effect by making us think he's more mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, but that overall doesn't take away from how compelling a villain Asclad is and how he fits the bill perfectly of what I want to see from villains, which is I disagree with him vehemently, but I can trace the through line with everything that we're presented from where he started to where he is now. And I could totally understand how he got there. And indeed, that's the point of Vinland, that that should have never been allowed to happen to him or to Thorfinn. You know, it's making a big stab against the existential nature of living in a time of perpetual warfare and cruelty, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. That's the true villain of the show. Um. So, yeah, I, for all that I don't think this was my top in my top three of last year, it still rates highly... And it rates and it's ambitious in its own right as well. And I am truly and utterly impressed by it. I'm impressed by Yukimura's will like maturity in the level of his writing, the empathy with which he treats his characters. And I'm well, if you want any more of a ringing endorsement from me, this is where I'll end off now so Doc can say his piece. Check out my shelves behind here, right? I've got a number of books here of various sorts, right? I have sci-fi novels, I have like graphic novels. I have Stephen Hawking's Brief History of Time. blah de blah de blah de blah de blah I only have two manga series on there. One of them, on this side over here, behind my head, is Land of the Lustrous. Oh. <laughs> and the other, the other, as you are no doubt aware, is Vinland Saga. If this show was that good that it made me want to pick the manga up and continue reading it, what more do I need to say than that? Yeah. Okay. Boom. <laughs> Mic dropping. All right. I have a lot to say. Um, but let me get the Witcher stuff out of the way because I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I would have felt bad. Um, but uh, <laughs> the, Yuki's right that the Witcher would make a great anime. Um, and if you would like to hear Witcher discussed by an anime podcast, not the Witcher video game, but the Witcher Netflix television show, Danny and Kay are doing an episode on it. So. Oh, yes, yes. An- uh, anime Danny is Kay lit. Anime is mm-hmm. lit. Get in. Uh, get on over there to to listen to them talk about the homoerotic swordplay of, uh, of uh, oh, goddammit, Henry Cavill and friends in The Witcher. Um. <laughs> And toss a, toss a coin stem if you would. While you're I was it, thinking, so. when you brought that up, who would you want to see from Vinland Saga do the bath scene at the beginning of The Witcher Three? Thorkel. Thorkel. I think so. Yeah, I think he's got to be the one. Um, you just yeah, you just want to either the, either I no either him or Bjorn. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, Canute. You know, you just you'd want to dive right into that hot tub, but it would be really funny to see Thorkel. Uh, honestly, <laughs> it would be really amusing because because I because I because I know full well like I've seen that scene in the game and of course Geralt's just there chilling out he's 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 soaking in you know full well the Falkel will be eating a chicken wing while he's doing it <laughs> he would have to be it would be like uh, he'd have a, a horn of mead you know the whole the whole nine or or a whole barrel yep hell maybe he's maybe he's bathing in booze <laughs> who knows he's boiling in it yeah um it's part of my blood now. Uh, okay, but Vinland, Vinland, Vinland. Um, so I I have <clears throat> a deep love of anime. Oh, Bjorn, <laughs> Bjorn being in there would be pretty good. Uh, we, we haven't talked much about about old Bjorn, but he was a great part of the show. He will be missed. 
Um, so I, I really have a soft spot uh, for anime that have no business being in the medium of animation. Um, like, I don't know, baseball shows. One of my favorite anime, if not my favorite anime of all time. Uh, it goes back and forth depending on how I'm feeling. Cross Game. Uh, it's just a show about um, high school baseball and grief, loss, personal trauma, and relationships. Uh, there's no reason it needs to be a cartoon, but it was animated, and it's great. There's no reason Vinland needs to be animated. Um, it could exist, as you say, in a, in a live action sort of thing, and maybe like, uh, like have credibility uh, or whatever. Um, but. It exists as a comic and it exists as an anime, and I love that about it. Um, I think thematically, I mean, it's just there's so much going on from a from a character point of view and uh, feeling uh, like a grand sweeping thing from eliciting pathos from us, the reader, the viewer. It succeeds wildly. I've already talked about how I think the the build is masterful. And I think the reason, well, I just think, oh, so let me back up and talk about the, that, the breaking from the cycle part that we have uh, kind of, even in the beginning, like we didn't fully get there. We never said the word cycle, but we talked a lot about freedom. We talked a lot about, um, you know, finding your own way. And that is why the cycles are brought up is, we're supposed to be like, oh, damn, like these cycles of war, of, of history repeating, of bloodshed are terrible. Like, how do we break this? How do we get out of them? And I think it's the sort of thing that can make the show um, appeal to everyone, not just because, you know, we live in the age of the forever war. It doesn't have to be anything that literal, but I think even just any kind of sensitive thinking person thinking about like the human condition, right? Mm. And what you know, what does it mean to be alive? Like, what is that like for us as experiencers? Oh, we're kind of in a lot of ways uh, beholden to a lot that's not really in our control. And how do we really exercise free choice? Like, how do we? become self-directed like is that possible mm. um and that this show in its own way is getting at that is pretty awesome and so far in the prologue we don't really have an answer but it is the prologue so i that's fine but i think this shows this prologue shows us like uh, Makoto Yukimura is like he's not playing he's dealing with the incredibly deep and universal kinds of experiences and themes and uh, mm. I love it for that and you know uh, I believe it was Theowulf who talked about the ending being strong propelling the Vinland anime in his rankings and I mean I have to agree like as a, a person who's been a longtime viewer, anime perpetually suffers from starting strong and finishing weakly. Um, yeah, sticking it, the It's really, it's hard. How many, how many shows, yeah, how many shows have you and I covered or talked about where we they've made the Erased or Vile of Evergarden mm -hmm. mistake of, of concluding, like, on such a high note, three episodes before the end? Well, yeah. Uh, or, 
or just all just sacking yep. even. And there's plenty of mediocre shows that have an idea that has legs for three episodes, but then what do you do after that? And they just kind of fuck around for like eight or nine episodes and that's it. But like, this show started incredibly strong and built and built and built and had one of the most memorable endings I've seen in, in a while. I mean, up there with Banana Fish, up there with with anything I've seen of recent vintage. Um, mm. And for that reason, I think, and this is a really, I think 2019 is a really stacked year, actually, for anime. So like, Oh, yeah. It's, it, the any the fact year. that it's not my anime of the year, like, I mean, Mob is like a favorite of uh, everything in the decade. Um, so the fact that it's sort of like behind that and in contention for the spot behind that, for me, might um, belie the fact that I think this is actually one of the best anime of the decade. I think you could put it in the top 10 anime of the decade. That's how strongly I feel about it and how just as a representative of what anime can be, like you said, that it doesn't have to be Magical Girl Mecha. It doesn't have to be um, uh, Moe. It doesn't have to be anything. It can be... Uh, it can be that, and it can be that really awesomely, but it can be like things that are totally different, right? As as a as a medium, not a genre, it is capable of doing anything. And Vinland, uh, as a representative of that, I think uh, that would be a reason, just like uh, any other reason, uh, as good as any other reason, uh, as good as any, as as good as any other merit that it has to put it on a top 10 anime of the decade list. But unfortunately, because you have talked about this, you have mentioned, oh, I have no problem with Moe. I, Yuki, I'm, this is what I'm saying. is like, they anime can, can be that, and it's great that it can be, and that can be really well done, and that is is a good thing and totally valid. Um, <laughs> my point is, like, the anime, there's, uh, anime is like that a lot, and I think that there could be stereotypes of this is what anime is, but like Vinland is just so different, right? Um, but sweet Jesus, like people, people are not going to be able to watch this show. This show being on Amazon is like, I mean, I I can't think of another show. Maybe Cabanera, the Iron Fortress, was able to being being the first ever Amazon like licensed anime simulcast. Also being the Attack on Titan person, also getting the movie on Netflix and like all being released by on like Blu-ray by Crunchyroll. It had a lot of mm. other things going for it. This is not going to have that, and I'm so worried that one of the be- what I believe is one of the best anime of the decade will not be seen by as many people as it should be because of where it landed, yeah. licensing wise. And 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 this is I feel bad. Like I mean. Would I rather it be on Amazon than nowhere? Yes. I would rather it make the money of, of getting that license. It's being deal. licensed by Harmony Gold. <laughs> yep. Yep. Or or being fan subbed by, you know, uh uh GG or whatever. But like Well, if if I may man. just add something onto mm-hmm. that down, like this is something that I was uh, I'll not spoil what this is for, but something I've been writing about recently uh is we're now approaching the point where, hey, streaming services, that's good. 
but we're only really becoming cognizant now of the ways in which streaming services operate with releasing their content and how that can actually be quite bad for the content's longevity as a fan product and also just even from a business perspective. I mean, I mentioned before about the idea of like Vinland Saga like having a low like a slow pace and how I read the book like you know in a day. Mm-hmm. And I know this is going to sound massively hypocritical of me, and I apologize profusely for saying this, but I feel it's still to be true. If it were the case that Vinland Saga, all 24 episodes, were ready to go, I wouldn't release them all in one go. I wouldn't. I'd do that week on week. Because it would ex- it would exist in the mind's eye of like fandom for a week and then vanish. We're blessed with riches, so to speak, at the point now we're at with streaming services and all the content that's coming out. But the release schedule is playing such a key part in fandom discourse, and yeah. the like, which I, and that's which also I'm not why... altogether happy with, by the way. But it is, it is what it no. is, you know. No, I mean B stars, for example. Like, I I won't lie, I sailed the high seas for that one because I pay Netflix. If they don't want to give the content that I want at the same time as the rest of the world, even though there is literally nothing stopping them from doing that because it's their content, their license to it, they want with it, then well. I'll do as I please. But the annoying thing by doing that is that having now done so, I've had my fill of it. I've got my thoughts out there. Other people will have their fill of it in March, but the people who've seen it and the people who haven't are now divided, and we're going to essentially have diluted community discourses about them. Two separate instances of the same discussion going yeah. on. Vinland, I think, has been harmed, unfortunately, by being on Amazon in the same way that I would argue Banana Fish was. I mean, let me ask you this question, Doc. Like, you saw how explosively popular Given was when it came out mm-hmm. in Crunchyroll. And we learned when we... Well, it actually... Given, so, let me just that, um, elucidate your description. It became explosively popular. I think it gained momentum week on week. When it first came out, I don't think yeah. it was, like, doing this huge numbers, but, like, people discovered it over time. And by mid-season, it was huge. Yeah. But indeed, Crunchyroll put time in mm-hmm. promoting that, yes. I would argue. I mean, they've got like the the top, the fly rolls at the top that show that. So let me ask this question: Do you think Banana Fish would have been like at least twice as popular had it come out on Crunchyroll first time around? Yeah. Yes. Do you think Vinland Saga? Oh, would have been twice hell as yes! Popular? I think it would be even I mean, more popular. But like, I mean, oh god! But this is an issue do, because we're like basically we're saying all other. You know, you must come out on Crunchyroll to be popular. You can't do Amazon or Netflix. No, no, no. Uh, because, like, the Netflix model, like you said, if it all came out at once via the Netflix model, I mean, Evangelion's one of the greatest anime ever made. And what. Do you, yeah, do you want to know how long that lasted for when that got a released? Week? Everyone was thinking, like, it's going to be like. This is going to be like the revivication of, like, Eva, dis- of Eva fandom. And it lasted no, it didn't a week. Happen. And that's just because, yeah, that's because it just went out all at once. I mean, Mandalorian, like Mandalorian came out on Disney Plus week on week and people would yep. li- like losing it over that. So I feel I feel a strong sense of shame, like, you know, for like the way things are right now in that how heavily it affects people's enjoyment of, um, you know, shows and such that it really is like, you know, we're blessed with too much great mm-hmm. content and not enough of a headspace necessarily to, you know, uh, truly engage with it. Also because, you know, like, it all gets released at once or it doesn't get released quickly enough. Or it goes on a service that has no real interest in promoting the materials to begin with. Amazon. I know. And it's already, like, it's not like Crunchyroll or High Dive where you pay, like, you know, four to six bucks a month. Like, Amazon Prime is, like, you know, it's expensive. (laughs) 
I don't want to go to bat for Amazon necessarily, but it is also like with other features bundled in. So mm-hmm. I can kind of understand it being a bit more expensive as a result. Anyway, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because like it's been an absolute pleasure to cover this week on week, and I hope that at least like you know we've given some uh you know extra meat to the community discussion mm-hmm. that's been going on around Vinland, even though it has languished in relative obscurity on Amazon versus where I'd like it to see, which is on Crunchyroll or another more popular service. Not for the sake of it being on those specific, you know, services. But as Fayo said, like, Crunchyroll's done more it's than so Amazon. It's so funny. Because, <laughs> like, of the anime awards and stuff. Uh... Yeah. Like, I mean, and even then, like, I was actually going to bring up the anime awards. Like, I wouldn't necessarily use these as a barometer of fan engagement, so to speak. But the fact that Vinland Saga got so well, like, nominated. I mean, I think it was actually, to be fair, like, nominations were, like, judge-based rather than mm-hmm. community-based as opposed to Funimation. Yeah. But still, like, it's obviously important to a lot of people. So, just to round off what you're saying there, Dot, like, it's something we, you and I will have to be cognizant of going in the, you know, aware of in the future. Um, but I do hope, I do hope to the powers that be somehow that this got enough of a buzz and enough attention via Amazon that it's limited to get, like, release on that platform that we do get a season two. Mm-hmm. That we do get to see this story continue, I think that it. I think it deserves. It. Yeah. I think that, like you know, it's had such strength all the way through in terms of the quality of its writing, uh, and the only places it's lagged have been, you know, really due to structural issues that are partly avoidable and partly unavoidable. Mm-hmm. I would love to see it continue in animated form to deliver on the promise that those final moments gave us of those characters that we may otherwise never see again in animated format. I can. I know. Hope. I hope so too. I, hope. I hope so too. But, but. But what it's worth, like, you know, I mean, I actually mentioned at some point in our podcast series about how I compared the Vinland Saga's, like, look at, like, you know, damaged young men, like, living their lives under these, like, you know, uh, obsessions with things. Like, 91 Days, the obsession with killing the rival Bob, mob mm-hmm. boss guy. Or in Banana Fish, the obsession of taking out Golzine. And having now finally finished the show, I can say it can stand proud amongst those shows as being as good, if not yeah. better. And banana fish. It was great. Good. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's funny that I think it was Theowulf in chat earlier mentioned releasing it in three episode chunks. And Mm. I I have actually been wondering since visiting for the first time over Christmas the Space Battleship Yamato 2199 show that uh, came out. um, I think in 2012 is when it started. But like the way they released it, Shadon was like they made four episodes at a time, and they would show the four episodes like as a m- movie at a theater, and then mm-hmm. when you would leave the movie, there was a merch table where you could buy the Blu-ray of those four episodes and like shirts or whatever. Um, Sony and Funimation, you have a lot of Sony is is a, a corporation <laughs> with money. Um, maybe there are certain shows you could do that for. Maybe that will be successful. I don't know if in this, who knows if like it would be successful or if there's a company that would want to do it or if there's a property that they would feel like would be worth taking that risk on. Maybe uh, that that it would have to be something new because like you couldn't be like, oh, that's what we're doing to My Hero Academia because people would ride in the streets because they're so used to the weekly, they're used to the weekly release at this point, so. People would lose their fucking minds over that. I know. So, like, part of me wonders if that's, like, a viable way to do it for maybe, like, I don't know. 
for something. I, I don't know. I haven't thought about it enough. I don't know enough of the, the financials and logistics to even like say whether or not this is realistic. I just know like that this is a thing they did for Yamato and I think they've done it for other things before. So it, it is a release model for anime that exists in Japan that has done well. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, we both, we both think this show is amazing. And yeah. Incredible. Uh, it's it's a shame to, it's the same to say goodbye to it, but at the same time, like I say, at least I am happy that there is more material out there that I can pursue via the manga, which I will be doing. Me, and no too. doubt you will hear me talk. I about definitely am going to do it. I have I have to know. I have to know. Well, especially after I drop that knowledge bomb on you. Sorry, mate. <laughs> All right then. I suppose we should close out then. Um, so I'll just say again, like. This now, like, if I'm not mistaken, is one, two, uh, three, four, five. This is mm-hmm. our sixth full show that mm-hmm. we've covered on stream. We're in the middle of number seven uh, as we speak. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting into number seven, Azekin. Azo seven, as they say. Uh, sorry, I apologize. Uh, I had to. I had to. Um, and it's been like we, you know, the format's changed a little bit over time. We've had new additions. We've gone from originally doing it as kind of a podcast, so at least doing this live stream thing, all sorts of crazy stuff. But I just want to say again um, to everyone who's followed us from like you know all the way through from uh, MMO Junkie to Franks of all things, you know, to Banana Fish, then on to Promised Neverland, and then on to uh, <clears throat> Sarah's and Mai, and then finally to here. Like, you know, thank you all so much for joining us on this, you know, ongoing series that we've been doing and all the shows that we've covered. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had quite a medley of stuff. And I'm glad that, you know, like, people have been wanting to hear us talk about this stuff and it's brought more people, like, you know, to our audience who come back week on week. It is always lovely to see you all join us and offer your thoughts and your jokes and your opinions. Like, it really makes it worthwhile doing this week on week. Um, I mean, thank you, honestly. Uh, I hope that, you know, if you've been here for Vinland, you will stick around for Azekin. Like, it is a great show in its own so right, good. but I would very much love to just have you join our discussion nonetheless on it. Uh, we'll be going into uh, future shows as we go along this year, of course. I mean, there are already contenders for what we might cover, like, being announced at the moment, like, For Your Eternity. I think that you and I are going to have a very serious discussion about covering that when it comes out. I don't even know what that is. Because that's got... <laughs> well, we'll find out. Um... We will find out potentially. But for now, folks, until we come back for Azekin next week, uh, if you want to help support us financially, you're more than welcome to check out our Patreon, as I mentioned before, patreon.com forward slash warriordesho. Check out our benefits. Uh, I would I would greatly appreciate the support that our patrons have offered us throughout. Like, thank you so much for, you know, contributing your money, your opinions, your everything that you've given us to help us become a better podcast. It can't be said enough how much that means to me that people would even pay a single dollar to listen to well, at least me speak if nothing else so thank you for that uh if you in turn don't support us financially i'm not going to tell you to piss off not even as a jest what i will tell you is this like again like for what really kind of starts a small scale thing just to have give me some opportunity to talk to someone you know about anime that i didn't really have the opportunity to do so in real life because i've got too many normie friends curse them uh to have it grow into even well small scales is this little thing we've got going now it means the yeah. world to me, and I appreciate every single one of you who's helped to, you know, come along, just even just to watch, not even necessarily to say anything. So, thank you for being a part of this, all of you. It really, really means the world to me. But we're not yeah. done! 
Azer Kid Free next week, motherfucker. That's right. And and money and violence. <laughs> money and violence. And also, uh, stay tuned later today for after hours. If you are a yes, if yeah. you're a patron of ours, yeah, we'll you'll get a, you'll get an after show about uh, some other non Vinland related topics. Um, and I'm gonna have Indeed. to seriously think about this uh, Blue Sea X Mirror Coalition idea here that we do podcast on the manga um, because we both are gonna read it. You know, you are reading it. I am going to obtain it. Um, my oh, birthday man. is coming up, so uh, I need I need to ask. Shaded, for shaded reads manga. <laughs> oh man, I'll read I'll read it out. Um, the final thing I'll say, of course, is if you're catching this, uh, you know, on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Anchor, wherever you may be getting it, if you could just take two minutes just to leave us a rating and a review mm-hmm. or a like, comment, a subscription, clicking the bell. You know, pushing all the buttons because that's what we as, you know, computer users are trained to do. Uh, I would appreciate that just to help with our discoverability. It would be really nice. And we're always open for constructive feedback as well. If you want to leave it on our Twitter at Warrior Death Show, uh, if you want to send it to us at G- warriordeathshow at gmail.com, all constructive feedback is welcome. We only want to do a better job of doing this podcast. So please do send that in. Uh, Doc, before we go, where people where can people find you specifically on Twitter to question your taste? Um. Not that you at should do that. on Twitter. No. <laughs> well played. Well played I am at the subtle doctor on Twitter. Please uh, feel free to uh, chat about anime or manga or uh, any other assorted nerderies. Uh, if there are any Japanese pro wrestling fans listening out there, please hit me up. <laughs> I don't have anyone to talk to about that. But <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, please. Uh, I, I am available to be added. Indeed. For me, uh, I'm at Shaden1010 on Twitter. Uh, if you're a real ale enthusiast or a camera guy, as you know, you might be known in the United Kingdom, or a camera gal even, uh, hit me up. Talk to me about anything and everything. If it's got, if it's related to alcohol, I'll probably have a good banter about it. Unless you drink celery, in which case you're a fucking redneck. Go home and think Ooh. about what you've done. All right. On that fine note, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, thank you again so much for joining us. We're going to leave now to crack on with After Hours. But... As we're always fond of saying on this podcast, because it's kind of our messier here, you know, that's a French word for what we do. Embrace your everyone. It's the end of the universe. Good night. <laughs>